Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on a... But, 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 okay, it just minimized the window. I thought Skype went down immediately. Sorry. <laughs> it would make sense. <laughs> I was, wait, wait a second. I must not say what day it is, apparently, but it is the week before August 31st. There, there you go. Um, this episode is cursed, Nick. Yeah. God, it... <laughs> whatever, whatever benevolent being exists that oversees the world does not want us to talk about Dick Fight Island. Now we're going to, we're, we're going to, because if Undead and Luck has taught us anything, fuck God, I'm coming for you, bitch. Um, but uh, I'd mentioned before with Undead and Luck, or not Undead and Luck, Dick Fight Island, that we were going to have a guest on. And then uh, that, like, the night before you were like, hey, my internet's out. We may not be able to record at that time. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, that's fine. We'll work around it. And then you're like, hey, my internet is back. But then our guest was like, I can't make it now. Like, I, I have something coming up. So we're like, all right, we'll just push it off. We'll do it on Friday. Messes them then. They're not able to make it on Friday. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Me and Nick are just going to record a <laughs> We'll story. do it. We'll yeah. do it. We'll do yeah. it. And then I'll do a separate thing with them later on and just attach yeah. it together. Just, you know, sync them up. And we, we did We did that. We did We that. got together. We uh, we talked about uh, our thoughts on Dick Fight Island. Had a great conversation. And, yeah, about how we felt about it. No spoilers. Yeah. Um, and I thought it went off pretty well. Yeah, went excellent. I sent it to Ninja because Ninja helps with the uploads, and Ninja's message is like, "I hate to tell you this, <laughs> but your audio is not in this episode. Uh, an issue that never happens." Uh, but for whatever reason, just my audio, like OBS had just not picked up my mic whatsoever. It was just like, fuck your mic. I don't care about it. Uh, so I and of have... course, it was an episode that we weren't streaming, so nobody could alert us so that there was any issue nor or anything. Was, nor was there so... a Twitch backup or something like that, because you could mm-hmm. hear me. It wasn't like it was, it yeah. was just OBS. So, yeah, definitely somebody could have been like, hey, the audio or something like that. We would have gotten it fixed, but unfortunately that happened uh at that point i was just like all right fine we're just gonna have to record again like a smaller version of it because we have a shit ton of manga to talk about uh on wednesday load up skype skype is updated in the time between then if you're wondering if you're watching the video and you're wondering why i'm just quaxly (laughs) it's because skype changed their entire layout I cannot get a video version of myself right now, so we're going to have to figure all of that again for next time. But we are, against all odds, going to talk about Dick Fight Island. I don't know why I'm holding up to the camera. You cannot see it. We're going to do it. I'm holding mine up. There you go. We're We're united. Yeah. We're going to have to relive all of that again, but we will do it. You have to and think we about are all those queer. rippling bodies and tight buttocks and <laughs> veiny little so-and-sos. I should say little. <laughs> there is nobody who is a little in this. This is, this is a series in PK Kingdom's heart of big, muscly men's and Big E's heart of big, muscly men slapping meat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Oddly enough, we are also... In the meantime, going to potentially do another recommendation because I gave you the recommendation that we are going to do. It's very short. Yeah. Well, we have that. Maybe next... we'll do it. I was going to say we have that next week, right? 
because next week next week is the thirty first. Okay, so we are going to do Dick Fight Island. Yes. Right. We are going to do Dick Fight Island. At the end of this episode we'll announce what we're covering on the thirty first, but we're also going to do Dick Fight Island. Yes. But for right now, we've got so much manga to talk about. We have a ton. So this is gonna be a relatively <laughs> short discussion um, of Dick Fight Island. And what I am going to attempt to do is I will try to it's gonna be super awkward, but I'm gonna to try to cut the because I still have the file that we recorded. I'm going to try to trim down just so it's your thoughts, essentially. I'm still going to try to record that thing with a special guest. And if that all works, I'll take that bit. I'm going to add your bit onto the end and just try to mangle it together into like an extra piece. So people who are like, look, this was Dick Fight Island. This yeah. is a big deal. Get like a little extra something. It'll be as if you actually did the podcast with someone else and then like guest interviewed me for my (laughs) (laughs) the structure of our dialogue does not match that at all whatsoever i'm almost just gonna have to like leave in all the parts where i say something funny and you just laugh but there's gonna be no context to it so it's gonna sound like you're the joker like you're just (laughs) you you spontaneously start cackling to yourself every so often yeah you know as everyone who knows me knows that i just do yeah (laughs) sometimes you do so it'll be worth it for for us, to, for us to talk about just the weird nutsacks and everything that's are, that are in this. So Yes. So, Nick, Dick Fight Island, a series about love. It is. It actually is. <laughs> it is. You're not joking. You're not. I mean, well, you're kind of joking, but you're not joking by telling a sarcastic mistruth. It, this is actually a series that is about love. It starts off about being about war and becomes a series about love. Uh-huh. Not really war. A, a, a sporting competition conflict yes uh it is set up kind of like a uh a fighting tournament at the beginning we are introduced to this remote group of people on a bunch of islands they sit each send a representative to have uh, a manly contest where they try and make each other come because that's how you win and the winner of the whole tournament gets to become king of all of the islands or gets to name someone else as the king it's, uh it is mind-boggling to me because like we have to just kind of blow through it we don't have time to really sit and dwell but like when Dick Fight Island was uh, like released, by the way, this comes from Sublime, uh, who localized the title. I think it's like like Japanese name translates to like Eight Warriors or something like that. They came up with a catchier title here. But when you heard Dick Fight Island, you're like, and you see the picture, like, all right, it's a bunch of dudes who fight with their dick. They're like, no, it's even more sexual than that. It <laughs> like, really is. It, it is a contest to see who can make the other guy ejaculate first. And even beyond that, these guys are very, very into each other. There's a lot of intimacy, like just very casual, but very heavy intimacy that happens in it. Um, there are a bunch of couples that spring out from the tournament matches in this. Essentially, everyone who faces each other each other in the first round of the tournament ends up getting paired off and they become a romantic couple with the exception of our main protagonist uh, who has his own uh training partner who becomes his lover um and there is a whole bunch of stuff that 
I would say is a plot hole, except that the series turns around and acknowledges how ridiculous it is that, for example, a bunch of guys who engage in a competition where they try to make each other come and have been training for this tournament for years aren't familiar with the prostate and how it causes pleasure to a man. Somehow that is the case. We we cannot. I know that we have to speed up, but we cannot undersell this. This is a competition that's been running for years where men are in one-on-one combat quote-unquote with each other where they uh are trying to make each other ejaculate and one guy leaves the island and comes back he's the only person to discover the prostate as like a like a useful tool in that sort of uh relationship and you're like how is that possible how in maybe centuries Potentially millennia. Who knows how long this has been going on? No one's just like, what about that hole? Like, let me see what's going on there. Yeah. And and they, but yet they also acknowledge it at a certain point in the series, like, it is kind of crazy how none of these guys picked up on this, that considering that, you know, they would be trying to become familiar with each other's bodies to discover weak points and stuff. But it's all turned into a little joke that's not really picked up. Uh, but it's very much a series that has the tone of like, look, we know what we're here for. We're here for really hot dudes to be wrestling with each other, catching feels for each other, doing all sorts of stuff in intricate positions and stuff like that. Uh, and it goes for that. And it goes for them catching the feels, too. Uh, there are there is some very hot and heavy uh, romance that happens in a couple of different flavors uh, in this. Uh, it is very popcorny if you are into dudes macking on dudes um and just and, love in uh, general just love in general in, guys yeah not to not to um get too deep into it but uh, when we talked about this on friday both of us agree is like hey the fact that there is all this emphasis on these relationships and how they develop kind of gives this series you know a little bit more for you to get invested in if you're not just into consuming all of the sex scenes and there are many sex scenes very very explicit sex scenes i cannot i don't want to avoid that point yeah it it can't be stressed enough that this is for all intents and purposes a form of pornography it is not just like oh this is a little etchy or like there's a little bit of fan service like no there's there's no censoring of anything it's just full-on dudes grabbing each other and going all the way and you will see it like you, you, you know, it's not, I mean, there, there's no cut. There's no Bioware cut to black in the next scenes. Like, no. oh, thanks. You didn't know you're going to see what happens in that black. The amount of, of censorship that occurs in this series is whenever a man's penis is visible, a tiny little rectangle appears somewhere along it. <laughs> it is so minuscule that it is that the series becomes more explicit than if there were no censorship at all, because it is so insulting how little censorship there is. Um, I have to almost assume that that censor bar is part of the gag then. Like possibly like, like it has to be like the, like the manga was just like, they told me I had to put a censor bar. Oh, I'll put a censor right. bar in there. Almost like a delicate little like, uh, like, uh, tube top or something that each penis is wearing or something like that where it's just like oh look at me it's kind of nice it's summer weather you know we're on the beach let's get you know get some sun in get some tanning uh so that being said this was a very easy series to go through 
it was uh, it had enough in it that I felt like I could at least read it uh, because it's not just, you know, some sex scenes that don't really do anything for me. Uh, and pretty easily, this is like the best hentai series uh, that we have read for Weekly Manga Recap, I would say. Uh, just because, you know, it's... Take that, Akino Sora. Yeah, like, it, just because it doesn't have something that, that makes you guys like, this is just really fucked up and stupid and, and gross and or stupid. It's a fun kind of stupid. Uh, the characters are have enough to them to make them to make them memorable and some of them are actually kind of endearing uh so i would say that as far as hentai series we could have covered this is probably one of the better ones we could have so yeah. uh, i know yeah. we have several people in our discord who love that these sorts of series are out there so to mandela in pk kingdom uh these ones are for you uh credo prime i'm sure you'll enjoy this too there's only one femboy but you know, the other guys are, are still pretty cool, too. Uh, I'll note that the first volume is essentially a self-contained story. It covers the entire tournament. The second volume is a series of short stories that are either prequels or sequels to the relationships that were established in the first book. So if you just want to read The Dick Fight Island, you only have to read the first volume. And then if you're like, yeah. I love these boys, are they doing OK? Well, that's when you pick up the second volume. Pretty much, yes. And uh, throughout the story, you can discover how all these men who are trying to top each other are, in fact, all bottoms. It's <laughs> kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good stuff. All right. Uh, let's move on to this absolutely overwhelming week of manga. To there is so much. And a big week, Sir too. There's just a ton of big developments happening in like yeah. the series. So. I don't know what we're going to go short on in order to fit all of. I, we no, just talked about Dick Island history. All right, yeah, let's move on much, to Black. Pretty Rock. much, pretty much. Uh, so, but we got to start with one of the ones that I guess is kind of like one of the bigger ones, which is My Hero Academia, chapter number three hundred sixty-three. Those who defend, those who violate. Last time looked like Bakugo died. Beginning of this chapter, man, we're pretty sure he's fucking dead. His heart is stopped. He doesn't have a pulse. Shigaraki is bragging to Aizawa about how Bakugo is definitely dead. He says, and I quote, this time he's truly dead. Look, dead, dead. He's dead. He's definitely dead. Not going to get up because no one comes back from the dead in any way, shape or form in My Hero Academia or manga in general. It's cool. Um... So, she, all for one, Shigaraki is mocking everyone. He asks who else wants to be left as a present, i.e. corpse, for Izuku when he gets here. Miruko gets this really badass, uh, like, half-page spread where, where she's trying to reach uh, Shigaraki while held in one of his weird finger-hand tentacle things. And I believe she's actually biting into the drooping flesh of one of them. Uh -huh. Uh, while trying to, I think, hit him with Can't her stump. Healthy. Like, I understand she is, you know, she's she's gruel, she's red-green, she just wants to smash, but uh, hey, you're going to smash a lot more times if you don't just start eating any decaying flesh you find, so. Yeah, that's right. Cook it first, at least, you know? Yeah. 
It's like no, it's problem. like in the Revenant when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character finds that thing of meat for the first time. You're like, "There's a fire right there. Don't just eat it raw. That's gonna make you <laughs> Come on, buddy. I know you. I know you haven't eaten in a while, <laughs> but it's right there." <laughs> uh, so. I do like that we had also a callback here to Mirko saying, like, I was so close to stopping all of this before it started. I could have smashed the container if I had just been a little bit faster. And all for one kind of mocks is saying, it's like, hey, don't feel bad about failing because there were literally hundreds of heroes there that day and they all failed too. So <laughs> You're not the only one who blew it. Take solace in that. But far more shocking, uh, is the fact that over with uh, Shoto and Ingenium, um, Dobby didn't go down. Uh, it was a false finish. So the explanation very simply is that when Shoto hit him with his big attack that couple of months ago at this point, that Dobby at the last minute mimicked Shoto's uh, new technique and guarded himself with the flame armor thing. And Dobby is so on fire now that he is just essentially muscle and bone with no skin, but with perfect hair on top, because that's a very distinguishing feature. Yes. Uh, he looks truly ghastly, uh, and uh, he seemingly just, completely incinerates one of the sidekicks uh, that came to help out. Uh, and then Dobby calls out for skeptic who is busy uh, because like, look, if you want to go and fight Endeavor, he's over fighting all for one over here. Uh, and we see that there is a, big issue that is going on with the fight against the villains, which is that the villains are far more prepared for an attack this time than when they were all attacked at Camino Ward. Skeptic is up in space in a satellite with a bunch of control panels doing stuff doing that isn't stuff. explained explicitly just yet, but we do see as it cuts to uh, the prison facility that they're well, the, the the floating arena that they're fighting uh, Shigaraki all for one in, that he is somehow hacking into it. Uh, exactly what he is doing is not clear yet. Uh, and also, it seems as though he's transporting some people somewhere, too. He's interfering with the bunkers that have been placed underground so that people can be safe. And we cut inside one of the bunkers where uh, Todoroki's family is, as well as the kindergarten class that uh, Shoto and Bakugo and the others uh, uh, had their graduation lesson with before. Uh, and uh, two of the teachers are like, hey, it's everything's going to be all right because Bakugo and five weenies are on our side because we can't forget Shoto's true superhero name. We can't forget that. But while uh, Fuyumi is kind of like looking over towards the kids as they're talking to their teacher in that way, we also see that there are two people mysteriously holding up cell phones to their uh, ears. Oh, no. Uh, so, and uh, question. Do yes. you think these two are evil people who are going to attack these people? Or are they superheroes who've been placed here who are actually going to be the ones to defend them against the other people who turn out to be the bad guys that's a good question i like the way that your mind thinks on yeah. this because that does feel exactly like what a shonen series would do yeah. <laughs> look at these ominous people 
oh, they're the good guys. They fought off. They fought off a much less distinct-looking individual. <laughs> um, and uh, to close out the chapter, we see that uh, All for One, of course, is like you know not been finished off by Endeavor and Hawks, and in fact, oh my God, he's got a body that has an actual face now. Ooh. Also, he says something that's pretty cool, but whatever. Yes. Um. So, this is sort of like uh, an odd chapter. Um, not because, like, tonally it didn't make sense. Although, it does make a little weird tonal sense because you're just like, all right, let me, let me pull back. Back, what, three months ago or whatever, when uh, Todoroki beat Toya... It was a little strong, uh, or not Toya, um, Dobby. It is Toya. Toya, yeah, yeah. Toya, Dobby. Uh, it was a little shocking, because you're like, this seems early. Like, this seemed yeah. like it happened particularly. And at the time, I thought, well, this is actually kind of, you know, a tone setter. Like, this is this is Horikoshi saying, hey, the heroes have been beaten back for, like, two and a half years now. Like, they, they lost the big war Stars and Stripes showing up was just another, like, a small hurdle in that, in the grand scheme of things. They did kill the number one hero of America, so, you know, it was kind of another defeat in their own way. Uh, the heroes kind of have felt like they've been on a little bit of a losing end, or at least a back foot for a while. Uh, Todoroki defeats Toya in uh, a scene that I would not call one of the most satisfying fights in Shonen, but it was certainly a good one. It was a satisfying fight still nonetheless. Uh, and I was like, all right, cool. We set the tone. This is one of the three big fights of this arc, you know, and you get it out of the way early and kind of establish like, Hey, these things are happening. I didn't expect that all for one is going to be going down anytime soon. And obviously Shigaraki is not going down until at least Deku gets there. Um, right. As Toya gets back up and it's like round two, it, it strikes me as like a wrestling match where, the the hero has been worked over the whole match on their arm and their finishers a choke slam, but the match keeps going on and they've hit like their fourth choke slam in a row and they still can't get the pin. And eventually you're like, all right, well this is just fucking absurd. Like this this is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like how hard is your arm really if you're still getting up after all this? <laughs> and that's kind of where it just felt like here, where I'm just like, all right, man. Like I don't. I don't want to spend more time at Dobby and Toya or Todoroki. I'm not interested in that fight anymore. Like it, it was done. I was kind of satisfied that like we wrapped that up. Like I'm not interested in a hot all for one being like, no, I'm going to really kick your guys ass. Like, cause what fucking can happen in that fight? What can happen in that fight that does not ha involve some ass pullery? Well, uh, this time Shoto could do a Canadian destroyer onto a pile of chairs. Oh, that's pretty good. Is that going to get the big uh, call? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to pop real big for that. Didn't actually realize that sucked and should have just been the finish. Um, it, it's just one of these things where I'm like, it's fun. Like, I understand. I totally understand that people were like, this is basically what the last arc was, where it was just like nonstop grief for the heroes. I'm going to assume since this is a shonen series, the heroes are going to overcome this threat and they're going to win and they're not just going to lose here. Uh, but I will still say I felt like this was a step backwards in a series that had been gathering some decent momentum. Um, yeah, uh, I guess it depends on where we go from here. 
really. Um, and but Maybe right week, now, who shows up and he just fucking kicks Shigaraki right in the face and was like, "Cool, we're jumping right into that." And I don't know. Maybe Dobby explodes. Like maybe there was nothing. He's like, because he's like, I can use the power too. And Todoroki's like, "Did you did you have ice powers? Because that was kind of important to how I did." And he's like, "Oh no!" And he just explodes. <laughs> like <laughs> ice what? Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess we will we will see. Uh, I am for right now pretty much with you there i do at least i will at least say that for a chapter that was meant to make you go oh man the heroes are goddamn screwed it does really feel like they're goddamn screwed uh so it at least did that i'm not going to criticize uh the execution but i am not 100 percent here for the chosen direction that was executed so proficiently so all right i like that nick with the excellent execution uh, I will try. Yeah. Uh, right. So, let's unluck. Undead unluck number one twenty three. It's not getting canceled, everybody. It's also called reset. There's uh, news next week that jump. It's getting like a special uh, cover and everything like that. And I think that unofficial show to jump account tweeted like, just to let you know, this is in line with like Haikyuu and Promise Neverland and like another series ending. So I don't know if that means anything. Uh Word on the street is not ending, just getting an anime. So good for you, Undead Unlock. That'll probably get announced within the next week. Uh, this week, though, we deal with the ramifications that the card in Andy's head is actually uh, the Remember artifact that allows rules over memories. Yeah, uh, it was one of those things that, you know, they realized uh, fairly early on. It's way too powerful, so they banned it. Uh, but um you know if you get your hands on one you know for like five thousand dollars then it i mean it's if it's ever you know know, viable again in tournament play then you definitely want to use it so it's just a good flex when you do that kitchen top uh you know you just you you really want to stunt on your friends you're like oh i'm gonna play remember they're like fuck you (laughs) uh so us explains that uh remember basically functions in a binary it is either observing or restoring or reversing everything so it's either a continue or a reset uh and basically goes to explain that for the very long time they essentially just used uh the uh verse over and over again to restore memories and everything like that and then eventually stuck it into victor used the reverse and created andy created that and we get this flashback at Juez, you know, teleporting back, doing the loop, realizing, like, damn it, we failed again. Victor's already there, and he's just like, let's call it quits, all right? 99 loops, it's been, like, 460 billion years. Like, you've done everything you can. And she's like, no, I'm not giving up. Everyone's hard work would have been meaningless. What will happen to the wishes of everyone who risked their lives for us? And she's starting to cry and she says also you wouldn't be able to die victor doesn't say anything she says remember if we had that card everyone would reconverge we could improve upon our past mistakes let's search for remember in this loop as well we'll stake our fate on the discovery of that artifact you're with me right victor doesn't say a lot uh but she's like all right cool we're gonna be on the same page like we're gonna get this and everything's gonna work out but she didn't realize their paths were diverging. She wanted to, to, to she wanted to continue. Victor wanted a reset. So when they went to collect, remember, 
is in this church. It kind of looks a lot like the one from Spoil. I don't know yeah. if that's intentional or not. I think it is. Um, but regardless, uh, they get there. She was like, oh, cool. Found it. That was pretty easy. It wasn't so bad. Turns around. Fucking Victor is like trying to slash her head off. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's just like, you were my beacon of hope. And it's never ending current of time, no matter how many times I've been on the brink of losing my mind. Knowing that I would be able to see you again was enough to keep me carrying on. I couldn't care less about the fact that I'm unable to die. So please just stop suffering for my sake. Uh, sake. Quit starting over. Remember is just going to give you hope. I'll let you assemble allies and fill your heads with dreams. Just forget it all. Forget me. Forget allies and responsibilities. I won't let you go through another loop. I'm just going to kill you right now. So in the next world, you'll forget everything and just live a life of happiness. Uh, and Juez was crying, and you can see the strangulation marks on her throat at this point. Is like, all right, if that's how it is, then that is your vision of justice. He uses injustice on him. He starts strangling himself, uh, and he's me like, Juez, you got to deactivate this. All I want for you. And she says, remember, reset Victor's memories, stabs it into his forehead. He just says, you fool. And we get the end as she's like, please rest for a while. And his hair starts turning white. And we start realizing that was the birth of Andy in that moment. And she says, somewhere out in this world, I'll find a new one, a new beacon of hope. Yeah, it's very appropriately dramatic for a sequence like this. Uh, I like how there is a ton of stuff in this you know short couple of chapters where we've seen this flashback involving Juiz and Victor that uh, a lot of stuff is clearly going unsaid about uh, the nature of the relationship between them uh, you can do a lot of reading in between the lines about the nature of both of them individually and also in terms of how they relate to each other um, but if it had been spelled out then I think it would lose a lot of its meaning and power yes. uh, so all really cool stuff um and, you know, I do love the way that the strangulation countered by injustice plays out cinematically, the way the your eyes flow from panel to panel. And like there's a, even a cut on Juiz's face. So you see the despair in her eyes before you see the fact that Victor's hands have been removed. It's a cool uh, effect. So very cool chapter uh, and uh, quite heartbreaking. So. Very much so. This this also seems to this one functions somewhat as sort of like a soft retcon into the story. I I haven't read the spoil arc in a very long time. Uh, I would wonder if I go back in time and we finally see Victor again, how much of this lines up with what we got right now. As we know, Undead Unlock has kind of rewritten itself since it first started to kind of add some details that maybe weren't there in its original intentions. Uh, but this has some pretty big implications, not just in like the past between Juez and Victor, but what this means for Andy. Uh, yeah, like he's not the original. He is. He is not the real undead at this point. Um, he is at this point very firmly established. But like there is, I imagine at some point going to be like, I don't know how they do it, but there's got to be some kind of conflict between Victor and, and Andy over like, hey, which one of us gets to like. <laughs> yeah live this out or whatever like you know what's what's gonna go on yeah it's been one of those things that's um 
been very lightly hinted at whenever Victor has come up that, but the fact that, yeah, he is like his own person, uh, within handy or vice versa, depending on how you look at it. And, uh, yeah, what's the conflict going to come to? And also, of course, each of them has a person that is very significant to them that is part of our heroes. And so you've got this kind of understanding that like, okay, well, you know, there's already all these problems with people not being able to coexist, but even in our happy ending, the one that Fuko wants is there going to have to be one where, you know, either like she or Julius is going to have to not be with the person that they've been through all these hardships with, because those two are directly in conflict with each other. Their existences are in conflict. So it feels like definitely something is going to happen soon, especially since they're going to be using the card that was used to suppress Victor to make everybody remember. Mm. So yeah, something's going to happen soon. All right. Nick, From let's there. talk about the best series this week nope. that didn't nope. get weird, certainly, that nope. made all the best aesthetic nope. decisions. Nope. Porto, number 72, smaller and more useful. I can't which wait to find out what they're talking about when they they're to that. Like, that title on its own is so weird. It's so exploitable. There is... So much talking in this fucking chapter. I am going to try to try to just keep it breezy and simple. Kawaki and Shikamaru are bitching at each other because each of them thinks the other is fucked up. Some guy comes in and says, hey, Amato called us from a store somewhere. Amato called collect. He says he needs us. Um, he calls up Shikamaru and is like, yeah, I'm in a train station in the land of snow. Uh, I'm going to take a couple days and come back to Konoha. And Shikamaru is like, well, Ko better not be near you. And Amato says, I've already checked for his claw marks. I won't fall for the same trick as you. You were there in the room when Shikamaru said that was deliberate and a trap. (laughs) (laughs) But then he says, casual as can be. By the way, Ada cut ties with code. She's coming. To- <laughs> it's I guess it's his way. Like there's a certain like strategy. Some people do when they have something that's going to piss off news. They're just like, they just get it out there. You're just like, oh, hey, I burned down the house. Anyway, I'm going to meet you for lunch later tonight. Just a heads up. Like, hey, wreck the car. Just no, not a big deal. Did you remember to return that red box thing? If not, it's going to be a little tough. Cause again, the car is broken. Destroy totaled actually it's in a river uh but anyway if you could just remember to it's get so the, good it's so good yeah if you could just remember to get the red box dvd and like have it like buy my keys you could just throw those away i guess we're not getting that car back but again uh what do you think about wendy's tonight <laughs> part of me is convinced that the that on the preceding conversation there are extra unnecessary word bubbles so that there can be more panels dedicated to this stupid conversation that tells us nothing because it's just characters telling each other things that we, the audience already know because those characters need to be brought into the loop while we, the audience sit through them, learning unimportant things that have already been established. It could Uh, be an interesting conversation between Amato and Shikamaru of Amato, who is sort of this, this, uh, shifty manipulator and shikamaru who is like the tactician of konoha like who is supposed to be the right hand man of the hokage 
seen their battle of wits and it is literally just a conversation of shikamaru being brought up to speed and it's just like hey just come with me no she doesn't like code also i unlock codes on limiters also damien's coming just it's gotta all work and and shikamaru just has to be like what that's crazy why'd you do that huh no way and then the conversation ends and then the entire time it's just static shots of fucking amato on a phone as shikamaru sits at a desk and is like what what this is crazy huh so all the characters express their motivations which have already been established amato wants to come to where it's safe ada's coming too because she's in love with kawaki she threatens to kill amato if things don't go well between her and kawaki and she says by the way i'm still angry because she gave me this ability that i hated but we haven't really talked about how i hate that ability for several months so i want to remind everyone uh shikamaru says they need to talk to Naruto and to all of Team 7, including Kawaki. Uh, and then we cut over to Boruto. And we get a scene that is also bad. So, so Boruto puts his gear on and he's going to leave. Hinata comes out. The first time we see Hinata, her head is way too big. It's giant. <laughs> She's a Funko Pop for one panel. <laughs> so... Uh, Hinata's like, oh, Baruto, I heard you've got a mission. And Baruto's like, yeah, it's from Uncle Shikamaru, too, which is kind of nice. Like, oh, well, I wish we had gotten to see more of the closeness between their families so that you could establish that Baruto thinks of Shikamaru like an uncle. But nope, there's too much not showing, like, families be healthy in this series for that. So, uh, and, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, so all the Team 7's he heading out. And Hinata, you know, says, I see... That's great. Sexy cry, single tear going down the cheek. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. I know I should see you off with a smile, but whenever you head out, I can't help thinking that you're not going to come back. I, and, I don't want to worry you with my worrying, but every day I fear for your life and just know that while you're off of the mission, this is what the kind of emotional wreck I am right now. It'll be okay, mom. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye, my love and your old son. I dumped all of my issues onto. By the way, we need to stress. Fucking Hinata looks like she's seven in this. Like when that so first weird. panel came in, if you separate it, it's just the top line of that that second page. It legitimately, if she, if you drew fucking whiskers on her, you'd be like, oh, Hinamori must have gotten a haircut because she looks so fucking childish and young in that shot. Yeah, it's very weird. We get more conversation that happens involving Hinata after a very weird cut that happens here. Like, there's another scene that happens later that should have just followed along immediately here. But instead, we have Barto going outside, and he immediately gets a vision of Momoshiki, who basically is like, gonna take you over, bitch. Gonna take you over. It's gonna happen. You suck. It's gonna happen. Let's keep talking for five pages, but it's gonna happen. Uh, and also, I won't let you die. I'm gonna take you over. Your face decided. <laughs> And Boruto literally tries to chase the vision of the guy, even though it's all in his head. Uh, and then Sarada and Mitsuki show up and uh, they're like, oh, hey, Boruto, you're here. And Boruto literally yells to himself because he's angry that the ghost that he was chasing was a ghost. And then uh, Sarada's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Boruto jumps off of a, of a wall and flies up to the air and goes, oh, yeah! <laughs> to 
Which Serata says, hey, that's my line, which I guess this was him saying Shanaro, like like Serata and Sakura do, I guess, maybe. But uh, anyway, they say that, and Mitsuki says, even if he dies and comes back or becomes Otsutsuki, Boruto will likely always be Boruto. Thanks for that, Mitsuki. Nice to have you here. Then, but <laughs> Mitsuki, everybody! That's why he waves to the camera and then exits the set for another fucking four months. Anyway, all that happened across like ten pages, but let's now cut back to Hinata still staring at the door where her son just walked out after she dumped everything emotionally on him about how she fears for his life. And Himawari comes up and says, hey mom, if I became a ninja, maybe I could help Boruto a little. Or would that just make you worry more? Which is actually something that I like. Because, like, that's kind of a little kid thing. It's like, I want to help my big brother, but if you're worried about what he's doing, will that just make you worry? It's like, yeah, that's and I, that's a good, like, okay, she's, like, eight years old or whatever the hell she is. I kind of like that. She's just trying to be helpful. That's nice. <laughs> be great. And just, like, leans down. She's like, oh, sweet, Hinomori. No, you have to get older and marry somebody, and then it doesn't matter how many ninja <laughs> powers nothing. you have. You just, you, you, make, you make dinner and watch soap operas. That's what we need to do. All right, I feel like we need to talk about the Hinata thing now because the thing that follows from here is also very stupid but in a very different way and it's going to lead to its own conversation. This really annoys me. It sucks. It just sucks. Every single time that Hinata has shown up in this series, it has been very frustrating. Either she does literally nothing or they do a thing where it's like, oh, and Hinata was over there in the bleachers fighting. We won't show you her doing anything cool, though, because... She's over there, and she's not the hero. She's just Hinata, the good housewife now. She is a trained ninja who literally died to protect Naruto in a war one time. And she's just like, oh, no, Boruto, what if you die? And it's like, yes, that like, it feels like if anyone should understand the reality of that happening, it should be potentially happening it should be her yes like i'm not gonna say that she shouldn't be worried about her son but it strips away any essence of her as a character and replace her with worried family figure yeah that's very generic I, I was gonna say she can absolutely be concerned about the fate of her son uh but do it through the lens of hinata the former ninja who lost her cousin in a big war and as you said, died before, uh, was on the front line of a gigantic war at like the age of like 16 or whatever, um, who's been through the Ninja Academy that her son has been through, who has some context of understanding. Even if her response is that she's like, look, I'm not that person anymore. At least address it. There is no yes. introspection. There is no dialogue. Hinata just sits there cries about her son and leaves so if, if you said hinata died and naruto in his grief grabbed a sex doll performed a puppeteering jutsu and just dressed up as her you cannot tell me that you could identify it as different <laughs> like there's nothing in there that you'd be like oh we can like that's that's obviously Hinata. you're just like i don't know that's just boruto's mom basically yeah you know and it's it's a bummer. It's like a really huge fucking annoying thing. Like you could you could just do something so much cooler with her. Like it, it's 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 a huge disappointment. 
Yeah. Like if this and I highly doubt it'll happen. But like, let's say next chapter, Hinata has a sit down with Himohari and she has a conversation where she's like, look, when your father was very young, I believed he could do anything. Uh, a lot of people pushed him aside, but I always saw great things in him. I always supported him. I followed him as wherever I could, even though I couldn't tell my feelings to him. And I believed that he was invincible. And I saw him go through some awful things. I experienced this life as a ninja and I saw my and my cousin died in front of my eyes. Uh, I've seen all this horrible stuff. So while part of me still wants to see that in, you know, in your brother, what I saw in your father, I know what really waits for him out there. And that makes me worried if that leads to if it leads to something along those lines, Mm. then, yes, I'll retract a lot of my criticism of this one scene. It's just that this is chapter 72, y'all. Like, we haven't seen anything like that involving a female character in Boruto, let alone Hinata specifically. So, God, there's so much stuff that, that, that could be done that could be so much better uh, for so many characters in this series. And that is why we instead resort to, look at Code being stupid. Here we go, y'all. <laughs> Speaking of which... Code pops out of a hole. Bugs there with him to go. Oh, why am I here too? Uh, and <laughs> I need someone to exposit cool stuff too. Code has come out to where the ten-tailed beast is held. The ten-tailed beast, which while awake looks even dumber than you would expect it to, because it's just this one-eyed idiot going. Uh, Nick, this is the most dangerous thing ever, though. No, oh, so dangerous. <laughs> so, uh. Bug says, very naturally, is this the fable Ten Tails to whom you're feeding the Hokage son? Don't talk like that's how you normally speak. To whom you're feeding. <laughs> I like the thing. He's just like, he's like, I might die. Maybe I can make this like the last thing I remember. Like, he was really well spoken. I look like, to, to whom are you going to be feeding this to? Good sir. <laughs> Verily, my dear coach. Pray thee, <laughs> wilt thou now don yon strap cross thy brow? <laughs> Ponder thy by chance, mayhaps another day for tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> what are you talking about? Please don't kill me. I'm pooping myself. You can't kill a man who's pooped himself. <laughs> And that's what it says on his grave. Bug. He pooped himself. He's like, no! It was supposed to talk about how eloquent I was. Alright. I said mayhaps! Uh, conversation happens. Code recounts how fucked up his situation is. Bug says, you got your strength back and then you just got totally pummeled by Damon. <laughs> Cut out of your own alliance. <laughs> Pretty feels like it wasn't that good of a power up. Uh, yeah, I did get my ass kicked, but look how cool I look. <laughs> Dude, it's so fucking funny that Buck is just like, hey, your big power up happened, and then you just got yourself punked and lost your only allies. That's Yeah, but look how introspective I look right now. <laughs> I understand that women can't be trusted now, Bug. (laughs) 
I see the world as it is now. To be on top, you have to be a true alpha. Never letting a woman dictate anything you do. Anyway. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. <laughs> Joe Rogan's got some good points. All I'm saying is you just have to listen God. to them. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Code then decides like, All right, so the Tentale Beast is here. I'm going to do something with it. Ha! Straps! And now my straps squeeze apart the Tentales? Okay, and uh, he makes a bunch of um, hot topic well, well, zetsus. Well, well, Nick, hold on. To to firmly establish, he couldn't do this before because there was a limit to how many straps he could make. Apparently, this is a new thing. There was really? never like a point where he's yeah. like, I can't make that many straps. He's like, now I can make as many straps as I want. I am essentially a god, a god of straps. Ah, uh, straps. Strap so god. many straps. straps. He's like, strap god's a great name. I'm going to go onto Twitter and take that. <laughs> it's already taken by whom? Oh my God! How do I sign up for this? Anyways, yes, he does. He does make them into just an abomination. A bunch of stupid. They look kind of. Uh, they actually look a lot like Frieza, yeah. but with stupid strap body parts. Uh, my favorite part is that every single one of them has like a shitty strap like chin beard basically like they all yeah, for some reason a, they all have a little chin beard of strap and you're like but why <laughs> well to be fair they all have different designs but the one that we focus on is the little shitty uh, strap beard uh and also code can uh treat them as straps and they can travel through the straps as well so uh there we go that's it that's that's the chapter this was Bad in many ways. Like it was boring, then it was stupid, then it was even stupider. So done. So, all right. Hold on. I want to. I want to. I want to give some. So this past month in Dragon Ball Super, there's been like this extremely long arc that's been finally ending. Goku and Vegeta have been fighting, teaming up with somebody against this antagonist, Gas. Uh, and they finally overcame him, but Gas is still ready to go. He's dying. He's still he's still up, though. It's like, oh, we've done all this, and we still can't put this guy down. And then out of fucking nowhere, Frieza shows up, kills the, the current antagonist, just fucking one hit blows him up, basically. Uh, then Goku and Vegeta both activate their new forms. Frieza fucking clowns him, unveils his new fucking upgrade form black frieza and is like all right i'm done now goodbye fucking pieces out and every other character left the plant being like well that was weird that was somehow not the dumbest frieza thing to happen this week in manga somehow <laughs> because i don't know what the fuck is with this code like monster design it is mind-boggling that someone was like yeah dude this is fucking terrifying as shit cut <laughs> print like, someone was like, dude, Volvo from Soul Calibur is terrifying. What if I made him, <laughs> like, more stupid? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's move on to Chainsaw Man. Chapter 100 to Save the Cat. This is an extra long chapter of Chainsaw Man. It looks like it's uh, we might get this slightly longer chapters uh, on the every other week schedule. We will see, however. Uh, it's still kind of early go in this part two of, of the series. Uh, Asa and Yuko are running away from the Bat Devil. Uh, it, we kick off on this 
darkly hilarious sequence of them just running away and then being gangs and flying through the air as the bat devil comes up behind them. Uh, debris goes everywhere. Uh, Asa kind of hits her head. Uh, and when she gets up, she sees that Yuko is completely unconscious and she's got a spur of some sort going straight through her ankle. Uh, so she's not going to be running. Uh, as the Bat Devil starts to chow down on some guy that they ran past, uh, Yoru appears and says to Asa, kill Yuko, turn her into a weapon. It increases our chances of survival, and she's as good anyway if she can't run. And Asa is just kind of stunned while staring at Yuko, uh, her unconscious body. And Yoru says, hey, don't worry about it. You're me. I know you aren't sorry for killing Bucky. You're sorry that you were seen killing Bucky. And Asa thinks about the way that all of her classmates were looking at her as she breaks out into a sweat. And Yura says, look, there's no one around, no one to see you. Kill her, turn to a weapon while no one's looking. And hey, remember when you died, you made up your mind you were going to live more selfishly if you got a second lease on life, right? So kill her if you want to live. And Asa stares at, at uh, Yuko and she stares at the hatchet that's fallen near her as she thinks about uh, her dead student class president and teacher, dead Bucky, the way her classmates looked at her. And also when she met Yuko and when Yuko gifts gave her a thumbs up and she takes action and picks Yuko up and starts running like a goddamn hero. Uh, well, Yoru says that she's a fool. Uh, and as she keeps on running, she trips over a tile and trips and falls, just completely face plants. And Asa says to herself, I always trip up and fall at the most critical moment. And we get a couple of sequences that are somewhere between humorous and, and just kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, uh, Masa falling when uh, she's bringing a birthday cake to her friend. The cake goes flying, uh, tripping during a relay race. And then there's the big one where Asa is running away. Her mom's running with her as a devil wreaks havoc in town, is ripping up the street, sending cars flying. And Asa sees a little cat with a injured leg, bleeding, unable to run to safety. And Asa scoops up the cat to help try and save it. And she trips and falls. And her mom turns and gets her up and pushes her to keep on running. And then a car hits her. And her mom dies because Asa tripped trying to save a cat. And we get to see the fallout of this. Uh, some guy seeing her, you know, afterwards surrounded by debris. Uh, and... But she sees Asa with the cat and says, oh, you managed to save the cat. How wonderful. But of course, she's just thinking about how her mom's fucking dead now yeah. because of her. Um, and we also see people are a, saying that's Kobeni's car. I guess it, I guess it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> car is taking out a lot of people. It might be Kobeni's car. It might not be there. Some cars look alike, guys. OK. <laughs> Um, they, they, see... they only made one of that car ever because it, right. it was it was well it was Powers' car actually. That's right. 
Until it killed somebody, then it was Cobain's car. So we see what I believe is the actual end of the conversation between Yuko and Asa when uh, they got to Yuko's house and then Asa left. Um, where as Yuko was giving her her shoes, Asa said, look, you think you're saving me, don't you? I didn't ask to be rescued. I'd rather be bullied than pitied. And Yuko just replied, I don't really care how you feel, though. Even if my actions turn out to be a mistake, if my heart was in the right place, that's all that matters to me. And back in the present, Asa gets back up while carrying her friend. Her nose is busted open from her falling on her fucking face while being chased by this bat devil. And she says to herself, I want to live like that, too. Yeah. It's my fault. My mom died. But at that time and at the time that I tripped and fell with Bucky, my heart was in the right place. So I'm going to save her no matter what. And she's running away from this. That devil it is rampaging behind her. It opens his mouth to swallow her whole and. Succeeds. Yeah, it gets Series her in its done. mouth. Series it's done. And then Chainsaw Man shows up. <laughs> Yay! Finally, Chainsaw Man's here. Fighting an unrelated <laughs> devil. <laughs> That's the best part. Completely not... unrelated to anything that's going on. <laughs> he did not come to save today. He just happened to, by accident, also kill the bat devil. <laughs> uh, he's fighting what turns out, we find out later, is a cockroach devil, which inadvertently kills the bat devil and spits up Yuko uh, and Asa and spins them flying along the ground, hurt but alive, and the bat devil dead, which means they get to join the Devil Hunters Club now. Yep. <laughs> Yo, that is true. They do. That's fucking tight. Uh, and the rest of the chapter is the fight between Chainsaw Man and the the Cockroach Devil, which is just immediately blood, property destruction, giant full-page spreads of action. The Cockroach Devil does this fucking Kenshiro blah, 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 attack against, against Denji, shatters the building behind him, and then immediately gets his arm chopped off. And then he launches into a villain speech and says, why side with humans when you're a devil? Picks up a random teenager on the ground, picks up a car full of old people and holds them up and green goblins in. I was going to say, it's exactly the green goblin scene from Spider-Man 1. And he says, you want to be a superhero? How about this? One student with a bright future. Five old geezers and grannies in this car. Which will you save? Chainsaw Man, the hero, drops the boat. Let's pull back a second. So this is this is an important philosophical question. This is kind of uh, a variation of the trolley problem because you could save five people or save one. There's different ways you go about this. There's utilitarianism, which just says you know five people are more important than one. Doesn't even matter. Uh, you could say that uh, the 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 person, the student with a bright future, is more important. That's an entire long life they have ahead of them. Uh, these five old people. Uh, although I'm sure they don't want to die like this, uh, they've lived their long life, uh, and they would probably, if they had a voice in this situation, this is a situation that has removed their agency, 
they would probably vote to 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 perish in in lieu of this child. Uh, now, Chainsaw Man, I think, has a much more interesting approach to this that the philosopher world needs to take a uh, a good gander at. Uh, so you're saying which 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 do you save? Well, no, I'm just saying. That, so that's there's different ways to go about it. We've we've heard what a couple of like the popular philosophies would be, but what does Chainsaw Man pick? There is no way for me to save them or myself. This is all one giant death trap. Sorry, that's from Batman Forever, uh, which <laughs> has the same issue. It is a common thing to present a superhero with two options and uh, see what they do. So a lot of times what you do is you have the superhero save both them because they're the superhero. Denji uh, also takes the third option. Yes. As the car and the, the student plummet to the ground, Chainsaw Man dashes up chops off the cockroach knight's uh cockroach uh, sorry cockroach knight's Yu-Gi-Oh card the cockroach devil's hand chops him up chops him up more chops through his head and the teenager falls dead and the car is on fire with all the people inside it dead and the cockroach devil is dead too but there was a cat that was going to fall off the roof behind it and denji saves it and cradles it in his hands and says, there was a cat too, dude. <laughs> That's the best moment this week by far. I lost it in that moment. Like, I always knew Dan- like Denji was a different sort of dude, but like the moment he's just like, but there was a cat too, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> he's cradling it covered in blood. Uh, Fucking perfect. 10 out of 10. This chapter was all about saving cats. There's not a better manga than this. Uh, and if we get to just drive it all home, this dude's report, the way this is reported on TV is in yet another act of heroism, Chainsaw Man saved a cat from a cockroach devil. <laughs> no regard for the property damage, the people that were killed. He saved that cat. That's what's <laughs> what a hero. He's a hero, Nick. Well, I don't know why you're trying to act like this is propaganda. That man saved a cat. Look, the cat's even at the end, like, Quinn, you had been waiting for Denji to show up. Was this everything you could have hoped for more? In my wildest dreams, Denji was not going to have shown up saving a fucking cat. Like, it's it's perfect. Like, it makes so much sense for his character. And it's also so fucking funny of, like, a, a reveal yeah. of, like, who will you save? The one young person or the car full of elderly people? And there's no response from Denji. He just dives through, kills the devil, and at the end, it's like, there was a cat, dude. <laughs> and it's such a fucking funny, like, page turn. It, it, it's perfect. Like, 10 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, the entire second half of this chapter is so nuts full of action, a hilarious way to end it. Um, but even beyond that, the way it connects stuff to the first half of the yeah. chapter too. It connects uh, our two heroes by the vir- virtue of them saving cats. And how it's sometimes the stupidest thing you can do, but you know what? You're trying to save that cat and that still makes you a good person. So I am ecstatic about this chapter. This was a wonderful way to kind of conclude the very beginning of this part of the story. Uh, Because, you know, now that Denji's back, it's like, all right, we're fucking back. Chainsaw Man is back. Therefore, part two of Chainsaw Man is actually kicking off. Uh, 
I loved this. This was such a good chapter. If we had done chapter of the week for last week, this was the only one that could have possibly won. <laughs> so. Yeah, th- this 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 is a great chapter. I love the stuff with Asa. I feel like we're also setting ourselves up for the very cool moment where she's going to go do something like probably kill ch- like she's going to kill Chainsaw Man and she fucking trips and fucking falls uh-huh. or some shit. Like this is a long term payoff setup coming. Uh, so I'm excited to see when it actually all comes together. Uh, let's uh, spend not spend nearly as much time on the chapter of Spy Family. I we can't we can't. I was like, going just... I was going through stuff this week. Like I, I was like trying to think it out. Like as I was driving, be like, all right, what happened to my hero? What happened? And I stopped and I said, do we have a Spy Family chapter this week? And I was like, yeah, we did, we did. It's uh, it was the one where Anya goes back to school and she's she's bragging to to uh, Scion about like how her mom's friends. And <laughs> it's I was the like, first quarter of the chapter. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, no, that was that was last week's chapter. That's that's not this one though. So okay, never mind. Uh what was this chapter? And then it hit me and I immediately went, oh. And I was like angry. I was visibly angry for a moment remembering what this chapter was about. Uh yeah, so um the chapter begins with Anya demanding cake from Damien. Uh, and everyone being like, what the hell are you talking about? Because this was just something that Anya imagined. Um, and, uh, there's a bit where, you know, Damien like is like thinking about stuff uh, that Anya immediately reads his mind for, uh, and is like, you know what? Don't worry about the cake. I'm starting to feel like I'd rather go to your house instead. And Becky's like, oh my God, Anya, you're being so forward. That makes you look like a hussy. You're a great friend. You're a good, great friend, Becky. You're a great friend. Yeah. Just looking out for. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the uh, Damien's followers are like the fact that you your your family would never interact with with Lord Damien's family. And Anya gets all smug and she says, "My mom's already become friends with his mom, though." Uh, and everyone's shocked by this, Damien included, because he didn't know anything about this because he's got a bad family life. Poor guy. Um, and. Uh, then he's like, well, she didn't say anything about me, right? Be honest. And he immediately is like, oh, man, if she's learned any of my dark preschool era secrets, I'm done for. And it was like, it was you know, typical little kid stuff. Oh, he wet the bed when he was when he was like five. He couldn't sleep without his favorite stuffy. I was like, yeah, all right. And then I is like, oh, man, it's good gossip right here. <laughs> but uh, she just says hey, she didn't say much about you, which upsets Damien in a different way um which is very sad uh and so he stalks off and is upset um and now he's like no no gotta no I've gotta be friends with you so the, the mission will succeed and um then we cut to uh, much less interesting stuff um look it's not even that it she's the issue I just feel when Nightfall shows up, it's, yeah, it's just not as good. I don't it's know a, how to describe it. She's probably the best part of all this stuff that's happening, honestly. I think it's just Lloyd, to be honest. I think Lloyd's just not as interesting alone. I think he needs a big idiot like Anya next to, her, next to him to be like, oh, this is really amusing. Or like Daybreak, yeah. where you're just like, what is this fucking, what is this dope doing? Right. Lloyd is the straight man. Uh, so if you're going to have him be the center of comedic antics, it's like, well, that's kind of missing the point. You know, you can have him do cool stuff if you're going to do action stuff. Sure. But if it's going to be comedic stuff, then 
you have to have someone be very hysterical around him. Uh, and instead we just get just a bitter medical director who's just jealous of him because, you know, Lloyd is, you know, capable and handsome and popular in the office. And there's just an entire, you know, two thirds of a chapter dedicated to him trying to sabotage Lloyd and Lloyd coming out smelling like roses because he's too handsome for people to see him doing, you know, little stupid things and thinking like anything beyond. Oh, Lloyd, oh, you I guess that's kind of funny that you've got some toilet paper on you as opposed to look at this loser. Like nothing goes how he imagines that's the entire rest of the chapter. Uh, and then everything uh, ends with uh, the director getting so frustrated that his final attempt to uh, screw Lloyd over, which is to try and turn Fiona against him, which of course doesn't work, uh, is to falsely report him as a spy on the staff, which I assume is meant to make you go, oh no, now someone will think Lloyd is a spy, but it's probably going to be very easy for them to counter. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Nick, let's move on to talking about Eden Zero. Two chapters, dos chapteros of Eden Zero. Let's start. Well, this is a good sequence of two chapters. This is a big twist and then the, the sort of follow up explanation of the big twist. So let's start with chapter 203, Ziggy. So last time. Uh, we had a bunch of dumb stuff happen, but uh, <laughs> we we open with uh, previously on Eden Zero, a bunch of dumb shit happened. Uh, okay, take that and put it to the top of every episode of Eden Zero. We open with Jin Laguna. We're like, we showed up, and fucking dead end crows just like wind ether gear how can you use your ether gear in here? And Laguna has the best line. He says, "With an ether jammer canceller." <laughs> Fuck this series! <laughs> this lazy ass bullshit! Oh, well, how did you know I'm wearing bulletproof armor? Well, my bullet, my gun shoots bulletproof armor piercing bullets. Well, my armor is bulletproof piercing bullets proof. Yeah. So there. And also, I have a force field. You can't touch the force field, so all your bullets get eaten by the force field. Like, oh, I have a force field evaporator. I hate this convenience ass based storytelling. It's so stupid. Their explanation for it is that Clean is using her wind snatch to take away the ether jammer, which I suppose in the nebulous way that ether gear stuff works in Eden Zero is an explanation to some extent. It just has to be delivered with the absolute best moment of just like, but I used my ether gear jammer. And they're like, well, I used my ether jammer canceler. Like, cool, awesome. Well, how did you do that? By using ether. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they're outside of the field. So that's why they were able to that's, do it. That's yeah. why could do it. Make it all make sense. All the clues were there. Quinn, <laughs> I, as upset as I am about this, we got to do two chapters of this. We okay. can't do this. There's a big fight. Um, they, they, there's a brief moment of sister, not sister, holy being like, oh, <laughs> how, did you, how did you mistake the one for the other? They're so different. 
Uh, cause Jin brings up something that he does like a weird siscon thing that he does. He's like, how dare you yep. talk my, my adorable sister like that? And Holly's like sister. And she, th- she thinks back to presumably her younger sister who was like sassy and then presumably got murdered or something. Who cares? She uses her melt on the dead end crow that we've already established is, is literally worthless. It doesn't matter. She melts him into it. I guess she has her satisfa- satisfaction. She's like, why did you come here? They're like, we don't pull the trigger on crewmates and Shiki considers you a friend. So that's all that matters. Matters. We respect Shiki's wishes. Cut back over to where uh, Arsenal. I, mean, and the rest I, I like. I do actually like the general sentiment where they're yeah. like, "Look, we follow our captain's way, and he would not want us to do that." So that's it. Matter of fact, I don't really get why Jin has to have an entire half page dedicated to him saying that. Like, it's it's a weirdly dramatic moment for him specifically to have. Anyway, uh, we cut over. Arsenal is pulling down all of the tanks with the moms in it. He's just like, yeah, this is kind of weird to see my mom naked. They're like, yeah, it's kind of weird. The sex thing. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> but this time it's kind of a sex thing. Hamor is looking at her mother and just says, like, uh, you know, thinks back to, like, how she told her to fuck off. And she's like, well, you we walked a separate path. But the fact remains that you endured painful labor to give life to me. I hope it may rest in peace. You're like, OK, I guess that's all we need to have thoughts on regarding that. Rebecca thinks like, oh, my God, there are so many moms here. This is so crazy. But every single person here has had a a child like he ripped away a piece of their family. That's so crazy. Shiggy, you have to beat Ziggy. Now, Nick, who is Ziggy? We're about to find out because Shiggy cracked his mask and Ziggy's face is revealed. (gasps) Oh, it's Shiggy. What the fuck? He's just like, why do you look like me? And fucking... I don't know why this is a manga, but Ziggy drops like a commercial break line. He's like, everything is connected. And you're just like, fucking, what does that mean? And then we get a flashback to explain about two. Well, a, a flash forward flash flashback. Forward, yeah. Yes. To be like 20,000 years later. Nick, it's time we want me. Who knows when this really took place? 20,000 years later on the planet Eden, when they was recovered, they were like, we found this one person. He's still alive. We're still getting rut life readings. Oh, he's trying to say something. Can you understand your message? What is your name? And it's Shiki in the tank going like, Ziggy. <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking bullshit I have ever and fucking she, seen. <laughs> and Ziggy reveals that he is Shiki from 20,000 years in the future. Holy shit, right? Nick, I bet you have so many questions. Don't worry. The nope. next chapter is going to answer a couple of them. <laughs> I don't the, have any questions, actually. Not the important ones. But, uh, so, yeah, uh, Shiki is understandable. Like, what do you mean? What's going on? And Ziggy explains, you were the Shiki of Universe 3, blah, 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 blah. It gets to the core of it real quick. Hey, remember that explosion on planet Nero from three years ago? There was the option for you to run or stop the explosion. And we talked about how it's like, was it really a choice? Like, they talked about how there are two branching paths at that point. But one was like, run away. And the other was, die from explosions. Well, apparently dying from explosions was like a really bad, like choose your own adventure book. Cause actually that was the right answer also. Cause it's like, well, those are bombs, but they also blow you into the future bombs. It's a whole thing. So each of these antimatter bombs was able to explode and launch this Shiki 1000 years into the future for each of them or a hundred years into the future for each of them. And I guess there were, there were, 20,000 of them or whatever. So he went forward or sorry that each bomb could blow him forward a year. And there were 20,000 bombs. So he went 20,000 years into the future 
And that's why they found two bodies. Shiki's body, which was still barely alive, and then a woman's body. And he's just like, yes, I was thrown all forward into it. I I was put into a metal body. And it's, it's you know, Ziggy being like, they're like, calm down, Ziggy. And he's like, I'm not Ziggy, Zig, Zig. And then he starts screaming because there's a lot of existential horror to be like, oh, now I'm a robot now. This is crazy. Um, so he's just like, all right, what what happened? Was I human? What was, hey, wait, there was someone else with me, right? And the robot doctor's just like, unfortunately, the woman was too far gone. We couldn't save her. And he's like, Rebecca, though. Rebecca. Don't worry hold on he's like rebecca rebecca was my friend let me see her let me let, i need to see her. He's like well, hold on i need to express we couldn't save her so they show rebecca who they have she's dead she is just a corpse but they are studying her so they're doing it as the only dignified way i guess a robot would by hanging her naked with a shot of her perfectly preserved ass <laughs> Like full, full, like, and the robot's like, she was even worse shape when we found her, but we, we can at least ex- repair her exterior. It's not a sex thing. I just want to, <laughs> I want to be clear about listen. this. I know her ass looks phenomenal right now. It's, it looks like we spent a lot of time reconstructing. <laughs> listen, Natsu, your friend is dead, but don't worry. We have put her in the most dignified manner goes into the room. She's just like completely spread eagle. <laughs> I don't know this is the most, this was the pose that her body just naturally fell into. So we figured that that was the way. <laughs> it's like, like Eden Zero makes all these points to be like, it's a darker story. Like how fucking horrifying would it have been if Shiki had walked in and it was like his friend's like mangled corpse that they were just like, look, it's dead. Doesn't really matter. Practically speaking. Like, look, we're robots. We don't even give a shit about fucking genitals. Who cares? Like, it's fucking... I don't know. We're just attaching cords and shit into it. But instead, it's got to be kind of hot. So it's like, we repaired her ass and tits. <laughs> you can still have a little bit of show. You can still get a little sauce on every time you walk into this room. We haven't been able to revitalize her, but we spent months making sure that they're, that her boobs were the perfect combination of perky and drooping. <laughs> It's like a video game that doesn't have good jumping physics, but for some reason the boob physics are like really good. And you're just like, why was so much time spent on the boob? Physics? Like we have no way not to get her back. I did spend seven years making sure her ass was just perfect, just perfect, you know, just so tight. Uh, but we couldn't do anything about the bomb in her rectum, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so Shiki's like, oh my god, Rebecca, I'm coming to save you. They're like, no, she's dead, dude. I don't know what to tell you this. And Shiki, Ziggy's just like, this is crazy. I I, I can't even really remember you anymore. Uh, like, time passes, basically. He's like, yeah, I, I, I almost completely forgot who I was, and I lived like all the other androids, and then one day I came and, and looked upon her, and I was like, noise. And then I was like, after all these years, you haven't changed. I can't even remember who you are anymore. But I'd like to see you alive, and I heard that you were in friends. You and I were friends in the distant past. So apparently, I I was human at one point too. And then, like super coincidentally, like uh, a grand robot's like, "Hey, we want to send you back in time. This woman had time altering magic, and we have figured out a way to harness it to send you back in time because we are coming upon the event horizon, the ether that has." Uh, 
been existing in the universe is no longer really flowing because Mother, the, the being that, that gives all that ether, seemingly disappeared around the same time that humans disappeared from this cosmos. So as a result, all ether will run out and even us androids will die. So we need you to go back in time and find when humans are flourishing and kind of save them. We need you to protect them because we can do alternate reality stuff. Uh, and there's a point zero you have to go to where everything will converge and et cetera, et cetera. They, they, they're basically they're like, hey, we're going to send you back in time. And the big point of why you're going to go back, like uh, how we're going to do it is we're going to build you a ship. And they, they he slides over the little B cube that says the Eden zero on it. So, wow, that's crazy. Uh, it's like a paradox. What really came first? This is so stupid. But I'm going to save the dumbest thing for last as I but I'm going to go over a couple of points first. Go for it. So we have of course now introduced a grandfather paradox. Um not the even the literal classic example, uh, but one in which we have okay, so Shiki is kind of literally his own grandfather. He Shiki Ziki went back in time and raised present shiki uh we have not seen the full extent of his explanation for why he did all this stuff but of course the question must be asked all right um then why did all that happen uh why did we end up here why did why why when did uh ziggy forget the things and when did ziggy remember the things why is there a second personality ziggy and all this stuff this explanation does not serve to you know give any of those yet but we also have this weird moment with the Eden Zero of like, oh, and that's why it's called the Eden Zero, because we had a B-Cube that's got Eden Zero on it that came because they were on a ship called the Eden Zero, which was named after the cube that we found that had the words Eden Zero written on it, which came from a ship that was called the Eden Zero. And, ah, ah. But also we are given this explanation for what the name actually means. So it's like, all right then why didn't you just do that instead of saying, and also we recovered this B-cube thing that has Eden Zero written on it. You could have just said that's where the name came from and avoided that entirely. It's weird to have both. Now the really dumb thing. Okay. Ziggy's name came from him trying to it's say Hodor. Shiki. And instead he went, Shiki, Shiki. And so now he's Ziggy and that's it. I want to also point out that in Hero's last series, he also had the hero have a bullshit explanation for what their true name was, which was Natsu was instead Ethereus Natsu Dragneo, which came from end. And it was like, all right, that's kind of out of nowhere. This is even dumber because it's like, well, the two sound kind of alike. So when Shiki got shot forward in time, he tried to say his name, but his vocal patterns got messed up in only this one way, in a way that never comes up ever again. Ziggy is always very verbose and and explicit and sounds immaculate whenever he talks. But in this particular case, he said Ziggy and it just stuck. And that's it. That's why he's called that. I hate this so much. <laughs> Uh, I will say this. So I, when it comes to time travel stuff, I'm never a huge fan, 
Um, but I will say, uh, generally, I don't care about paradoxes because once you, the most stuff, once you get into time travel stuff, it doesn't really make sense. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, as you mentioned, like what came first. It doesn't like part of me is like, maybe we get an answer for some of it. A lot of it, I just expect us not to, because there's also the question of like, well, who was Zonolith or whatever that guy, the guy who was their robot master, Ziggy's supposed robot master, like who was that in all this? Was that somebody from the future? Would he know everything? Was it a robot Ziggy met in the past? I, these are details I'm assuming we'll get explanations of at some point, but it does not make sense, essentially. Like, it, it it is like this weird oddity of just like, so the scene has always happened inside Nero's planet, <laughs> which, yeah. which Ziggy was present for. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's an entire thing. As for the actual reveal itself, you you already said my big issue with it. Like, Hero's done this. Like, you've done this in basically every series to, that you've done at this point. Like, oh, there's an evil version of Shiki, which isn't surprising. This series has made it very clear that there's going to be time travel and alternate versions of self. Like, yeah, at some point we were going to get a different version of Shiki at some point. Uh, having that be what Ziggy is uh, is not a cool twist in my mind. It's just kind of like the most obvious one to go with. And it's like, okay fine i think ziggy was actually more interesting as someone with a different relationship but fine we're going to go with this one i guess it's also a little bit weird to have this explanation of like oh and so yeah so you know shiki and ziggy they both had like gravity ether and it's really because they were the same person when like the villain of the previous arc was unrelated to either of them and also used gravity. Either. Well, Nick, we know that there's a infinite number of timelines where Shura and Ajuna managed to reconcile their feelings before both being exploded. In that That's bomb. Right. So they, mm. we always have that to go with. All right, let's move on to a good series, please. <laughs> All right, Durandor. Nope, nope, don't do that. Akane Banashi, story 26, Where You Belong. Uh, Last time we saw one of the judges concluding that there could be no mistake, Akane must have been taught by Shigama. And then we get a big two-page color uh, cover. It looks goddamn gorgeous and is really cool. Uh, I love the expression Akane is making. Akane Banashi has been running for half a year now and is wildly popular and has everyone and their mother who has ever created anything super popular saying, hey, everyone read this. Uh, Yay. So. um, Akane is continuing her story uh, and uh, we, you know, she goes through another joke about uh, uh, or goes through another setup about Jugemu falling into the river. Uh, and we see that she's, you know, taking breaths again now. Uh, she's not going through everything in one breath. She's taking several breaths in between to go through it. Um, and this mustache judge, as he's observing, is like, I mean, all that passion that you usually get in the Karaku Cup is gone. The hall has turned from spectators of a competition of skill into an audience just enjoying a show. And she was the catalyst for that change. But this doesn't make sense. When the expulsion incident happened ever since then, Master Shigama refused to take on any new apprentices. And her exceptional skill is beyond her years. What is he up to? Uh, And we also get a bit uh, from uh, Koguru, who is watching this. And uh, is thinking to himself, like, yeah, if the master had just kind of told her what she should do, you know, told her the meaning of outlook, 
then she would have, you know, charged ahead and failed spectacularly. And I do like this, you know, this little visual of Akane that's like, yeah, yeah, she would have done that where she's just like, oh, I'll just go and master that real quick. <laughs> Uh, and instead, she had to really struggle. She had to really try hard. And in doing that, I mean, she went to root for her. And uh, he admits, I'm kind of also another person who's fallen under her spell in that way. Uh, and then we get to the conclusion of Jugemu. Jugemu's parents uh, have arrived at the river where their son has fallen in. And then we get uh, Jugemu's father shouting out his name, calling for him. And we, you can see that Akane does it all in one breath this time. Uh, and he says, come on, tell us you're still alive and starts to say his name again. And then Jugema shows up behind him and is just soaking wet, but perfectly fine. And they say, what are you doing here? And Jugema says, I was taking so long for help to come. I just got out on my own. Hey, <laughs> Uh, everyone laughs one, one last time is applauding and she bows and concludes her story. Uh, everyone is blown away by it. The journalist uh, is like, I'm supposed to be writing my article, but I was just so drawn in by her performance. I couldn't even focus on it. And his fellow journalist, the rookie says, Rakugo is just so cool, you know? And he's like, why are you just now thinking that we write for a Rakugo magazine? Uh, the MC takes the stage and asks for Master Isho Arakawa's uh, thoughts on the performance. And Isho takes the microphone. And again, you don't see his face to start with. And he just says, you. You know, you don't belong here, right? And Akane looks at him very determined and says, yes, sir. And he says, very well. And of course, nobody in the audience knows what the fuck that was about, because all the meaning was unspoken in it. Um, and uh, as they're you know trying to figure that out, uh, we see um, the guy who was talking with Karashi earlier. Uh, is like, what do y'all think what that was about? And Karashi is completely stunned, has nothing to say for once. He's running a hand through his hair, looking very perturbed. He, Hikaru is also there, and she is just seems very neutral and doesn't uh, have a reaction just yet. Uh, and um, we get a whole bunch of other people kind of reacting to stuff as they mill outside. Uh, and they're like, man, this was crazy. Uh, and uh, But everyone's like, you know, when the announcer, when the winner was announced, nobody was like, what are you kidding? Everyone's like, yeah, that's it. That's right. But I didn't get what Mr. Master show was saying. We cut to later. And Akane is being led to a reception room. And she is going to be allowed to have a 15 minute conversation with Master show. Uh, there is a nice little moment where the, you know, the person leading her in says, Hey, you know, would you like to write anything down? Cause I know this can be kind of intimidating. You might want to have your questions written down, but Akane says, nah, I'll be fine. And as she enters the room, she says, I only have one question and they have come face to face. And that's, that's the chapter. This is this is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And at the same time, it is so frustrating because like every week now I have been like sitting there saying like, 
next chapter is where shit's gonna pop off. Like, they've given just enough each chapter that you're just like, fuck, now I need next week. Like, I was like, oh, when, when Arakara takes the mic, that's when shit's gonna get crazy. And then he just says one awesome line, like, you know you don't belong here, right? It's so fucking cool. And then it's like, I need to see what her goddamn question is. Like, every week has had me in this state of just being like, God damn, I need to see this now. Um, yeah, the, the tension in this series has been great. That that moment, legit, is one of the most unnerving and terrifying moments. And it's so great that it came in a series that's just about a girl going up on stage doing rock ago. It's so fucking cool. The series is great. Yeah. I love the contrast between them, this old grumpy man and this uh, very determined young girl. And I love the different expressions on their faces. The kind is full of determination. She's full of uh, resentment and uh, just defiance. And he looks simultaneously angry and emotionless. It's very creepy the way he looks it's at her. So, it, it it reminds me a lot of that one image from Food Wars where a zombie like lo- like peeks his head through the door and you were like, holy shit, this dude's terrifying. It's just something with the way the face is drawn. You're like, this is so fucking unnerving. I hate it. Don't so don't maybe, maybe don't invoke like, that. Don't make him go. Don't make him go skiing. I was gonna say. <laughs> so in six chapters, we're gonna see him go skiing. Like, hello, everybody. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I love, you know, if you've just been following the story, you know exactly what he means uh, by that. Um, and I love the fact that even though very clearly he's so pissed off, they're like, no, she had the best performance. She wins. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say? That dog, that's the dog scored enough three pointers. They won the game. I know it seems like it should be illegal, but, but hey, you got to score the game. A scored. Nick. Let's move on to everyone's favorite series, Aliens Area, which uh, continues to really raise the bar in saying, what is going on in this series? Aliens Area, chapter number 11. You can see me? So Tatsumi is out essentially on like his test mission to test his capability uh, with uh, his, you know, alien hunting tool stuff. He is out uh, along with Yumeko who uh, is kind of there to both observe and to help out if this becomes a, quote, level 10 incident or things go poorly. And so the mission is like, okay, there's an alien shapeshifter. Uh, There have been bits where, like, you know, store items float and then disappear, and it's always cat food. Uh, And uh, Tatsumi, you know, starts to say something. Yumeko's like, just call me Yume, by the way. All right, whatever. You're you're not going to be around enough for me to ever have to remember that. Um, so, uh, and of course, Tatsumi's got his uh, his lenses. We see that uh, the, the the end of the conversation after he picked them out last chapter, and uh, the guy who was supervising them was actually kind of cool about it because he was like, I mean, this is this is kind of weird. Normally, it wouldn't be allowed, but yeah, I'll get it approved. Uh, and he also says, because Tatsumi's apologetic, he's got to go to extra trouble to get approved. And he's like, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Just come to me if you ever need anything. I got your back. It's like, oh, I like this way better than the weird joke about him being insecure about uh, about everything was, you know. But anyhow, uh, we f- we see the alien. Uh, it's a three eyed humanoid alien that's dressed like a ninja. And he's just going nin nin uh, because he says that he came to Earth to be a ninja but apparently there aren't any on earth anymore (laughs) 
which is technically not true. Uh, Ninja still, in a way, exists. It's just that, you know, they're like spies and stuff now instead of. Like... Yeah, I people get it. people don't understand what ninjas actually were anyway. So <laughs> there are ninjas like snake eyes. That's not what I mean. G.I. Uh... <laughs> Joe's real, right? He's part of our military. I've saluted every action figure I've seen. Should I not be doing that? Uh... People laugh at me, Nick. And I've always just said it's respect for a man who served his country. (laughs) (laughs) He served with Joe. Hey, all of G.I. scream at the children who try to get between me. All of G.I. Joe definitely served in the military, especially Sergeant Slaughter. Um, so the ninja alien is just like, apparently there aren't ninja on earth anymore. So I've resolved to become a ninja myself. And, um, he casts quote unquote self-concealment jutsu, um, you know, a cloaking field around himself and he becomes invisible, but he's also like, look, I, I train tirelessly, but strength requires sustenance and I am broke. So I must steal. Uh, and the old planet only satisfies one thing that can satisfy my hunger only cat food. So that's why cat food's going missing is because this alien that wants to be a ninja turns invisible and steals it because he's got no money to buy it. Uh, Tatsumi uh, and uh, Yuko see the floating uh, cat food bag and uh, Tatsumi activates his equipment so that he can use thermography to see the alien. Immediately, the alien runs when he realizes he's been seen. Uh, Just kind of just bulldozes through them they look really stupid for for no reason uh they were chased it outside uh and tatsumi's like oh, god there's all these people around so i can't really see it even with the heat vision and yuka says like hey use auto target uh it'll you know make everything but the target invisible uh you can't use it very often because you know he just runs into a sign right away it's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta you gotta actually only use it intermittently uh they get to a railroad crossing and the aliens on the other side. So it looks like it's going to be fine. But Tatsumi is like, I saw this in about a billion X-Men comics and fastball specials. You might go over the train and she does a flying kick directly to the alien's head. that takes it out. And the alien's like, she moves just like a ninja. No regrets. Uh, and uh, they have a little celebration. Yeah. I kid you not. This was my favorite chapter of Alien Series. It so actually far. is. Like, Yume actually seems like kind of a fun character. And, like, the idea of, like, okay, these two are kind of just like men in black, essentially, is like a more interesting thing to go with than I'm not sure. Like, the other ones were so much more like a battle centric one. And this one was just a more interesting, like, kind of pseudo comedy. I, I, I dug it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we just got more stuff that had this kind of energy to it of like these weird oddball aliens and we got to do stuff to stop them in a kind of silly way, I'd be all down with it. Um, it's just it is really weird. Like we've been saying, it's like there is it just jumps around so much in the series. I don't know what we're going to land on, if we're ever going to land on anything uh, for anything longer than like a one or two chapter stretch at this point. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's talk about Blue Box. Blue Box. Blue Box. Chapter number 65. It's not that. It's not a sex thing. So 
Everyone uh, saw after the Snow White performance, the confetti ball dropped on Taiki's head, made he and Hina kiss. Uh, and everyone's talking about them. And they're like, oh, man, they're together all the time. Are they dating and stuff? And Taiki objects to everyone that will talk to him. No, our lips did not touch. It just looked like they did because our mouths were close to each other and confetti dropped near us. But I stopped. We we did not kiss. He runs away. Uh, this time it makes sense. This time that was the right call to make Taiki. And maybe this is our character growth. Taiki learns slowly what are the best times to say we didn't kiss and then promptly flee the scene. <laughs> and maybe he'll flee at, you know, a more controlled pace instead of stumbling yeah. over himself every Eventually time. Eventually yeah. one day he's going to say we did not kiss. And he's just going to stay there. Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, my God. Taiki, <sighs> our little boy's grown up. Oh, my God. He didn't even turn. <laughs> He's actually uh, sitting down. He intends to stay. <laughs> uh, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, but you guys were, you know, you were the princess and the prince. Everyone's going to be talking about you, even if you didn't actually kiss. I do like that when even when people say like, hey, Chodo, did you guys not kiss? Really? And she's like, no, we didn't. Just very commonly. No, I'd be way happier if we had. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Um, so there's that going on. And I actually do really like this a little bit because like the teasing keeps going from some of the crew members. And when it's like, ha, you know, anyone who was watching, is going to believe the rumors about you two dating. And Taiki just says, look, I get that. It probably looked like we kissed, but I don't like that. You're making fun of me like this. So please stop. And then he just quietly walks away and it's like, Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people are just like assholes like that. And um, I kind of like that he, he got a little moment of like, please stop. Just shut the fuck up. You guys are assholes. So, yeah. 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 It's a good moment. Gen Z yeah. is all about being more understanding about these sorts of things. So I hear. I, I have no idea. I, I hope so. Oh. That'd be nice. We, we can hope that that sticks. Yep. So. Um, and Taiki's just like, God, I get, I get wine to gossip, but it's none of your, their business. What's going on. Uh, Hina chases after him and is like, look, I'm sorry about the rumors and everything. Uh, and Taiki says, look, it's not your fault. Uh, and I'm sorry that, you know, I couldn't make the play a success. And Hina says, oh, come on, you, you did a way better job than I was expecting. I know you were nervous, but you got better and better. And you, you know, you your performance got stronger as you went along. And she's getting worked up as she's complimenting his performance. And she starts to blush as she does so. Uh, and Taiki kind of uh, starts to notice this. But then when she, she brings it all home with, and you weren't overshadowed by how great I was. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, they they have a little bit of friendly banter between them, uh, and Hina wraps up by saying, "It's like, hey, look, uh, I can explain to Chinatsu Senpai that we didn't kiss. Just say so if you want me to." Um, and Taiki's like, "Huh?" And she's like, "Look, I know that you wouldn't want her getting the wrong idea. Um, that's why you got mad, and I want a fair fight." But uh, Taiki was not thinking about that, of course, in the moment at all. So she runs off. Kyo comes by. Uh, Kyo, and Kyo, Kyo. Kyo. Uh, he's brought some food for Taiki. 
Uh, and Taiki just kind of vents to his friend. He's like, everyone's just talking about the kiss. I wish that, you know, people had paid attention to all the effort we put into the play and stuff. And Hina thinks I'm upset about Shinatsu. And Kyo's like, well, you aren't. And he's like, well, I mean, there's that too. I'm just mostly upset about the way people are talking about us. And like the things between he and I are unclear. And I feel like I've got to be careful with every move I make. And there's all these rumors going around. And I just figured that Hina felt the same way that I did. Uh, so Kyo just kind of cuts through the bullshit and is like, do you feel any romance, romantic feelings towards her at all? And Taiki is like surprised by this. Uh, and Kyo's like, look, she's come onto you pretty hard. So I wouldn't blame you if you still started to feel anything back. And Taiki hesitates for a second. And he says, I like Shinatsu Senpai. She's the one I like. So they go past that. Kyo says, okay, it feels like you're putting 100% into Shinatsu Senpai, but I think there could be an additional 30% of feelings for Chono on top of that. I could imagine that. Uh, and he's like, look, I'm not saying that that's the case. I just think it could be possible. And Taiki's like, that's over 100%. My brain <laughs> just starts screaming. Ah! Yeah. Uh, and Kyo's like, look, I know this frustrating, kind of painful, but you do actually need to think about this. So I was like, hey, that's actually, you know, you have value as a character now, Kyo. Thanks. <laughs> You've contributed. Thank you. Um, where we see, you know, things wrapping up at the school festival, people, you know, cleaning up and stuff like that. The girl who was in the sound booth earlier that got all that focus that I mentioned uh, last chapter, she walks by a classroom and sees Kyo hanging out with Taiki and her friend tells her, yeah, that's the guy that they say kissed her. And she just goes, hmm. So no details yet, but she's she got a second appearance. New, new, there's a new, there's going to be a new stumbling block. She's going to be some new dynamic into all this. We're we're yet she, to see exactly what it is, but she is absolutely going to be playing. I imagine some kind of mischief maker in in, in yeah. all the relationships. The culture festival draws to a to a close. We see Taiki being an idiot about the way that Kyo talked to him about before. He's like, okay, so this cup is 100% coffee. Then it's 30% milk. So it is possible to have feelings for both of them. No, they cannot mix like that. It sounds like a idiot. lot of milk. That's a lot of milk to put in your coffee. I don't drink coffee, so. I don't, but I, I, I like, I know when you put cream in coffee, it's in little containers. Like 30% of a coffee, like, well, obviously he's already putting 100%, so he's throwing 30% on top of it. That's like a third of the cup. It seems like a lot. That of cup's milk. overflowing. Yeah. yeah. Given how much coffee was in that cup when it was 100% coffee, to then make it 30% or, milk. Or like this is an alternate universe where they have 30% milk. Like yeah. the milk, like the fat content is 30%, which is insane. Like you'd have to God. assume it comes out like <laughs> and in this alternate universe he's not taiki he's tiggy yeah he was uh, they were like what's your name he's like Riki, Riki, Riki. Riki. <laughs> they're like reiki that's crazy 
Right. Anyway, anyway, your friend is dead, so we've put so we hung her from the ceiling. Don't worry, we reconstructed her butt. Anyway, that's a reference to Eden Zero in case anyone skipped over it. For anyone who doesn't ever listen to the Eden Zero section. Uh so of course Taiki's thinking about his feelings for Chinatsu, parentheses, and Hina. And then he looks up and, and Chinatsu's just hanging out in his kitchen eating eating snacks. And of course he's shocked to see her there. Uh and she says, Oh yeah, yeah, my grandpa's surgery was a success. So I'm gonna be moving back in day after tomorrow. And I came by to drop off my stuff. So ooh. Aww. Uh back in the living situation. And of course Taiki now is forced to confront the thought of Chinatsu Senpai saw that not kiss. Wonder what she thought about it. And that's our chapter. I, I always like in that last shot of Chinatsu, I'm always like, do I ever look like that eating chips? Like so whimsical and lost in thought. And then I'm just like, no, my eyes are just glazed over as I'm watching <laughs> the show on YouTube. eating six chips at a time. Like, <laughs> good for her. It's a good, yep. it's a good trait to have. Uh, we really have to speed this up. So, I think after Deronda Ruron, because we got to give this the proper amount of time to ruin breathe, we're going to have to really just start zipping through stuff. Deronda Ruron, chapter 35, seal! Uh, I, there are so many plot details about what's going on here that I've just completely skipped over in previous chapters. I don't really know what's going on. I know that that's not really fair for me as a reviewer to say, but I don't know when this happened. There's a thing, Nobunaga, that's sealed away. And our villain uh, is using merged human emoke energy to cut it open. And it releases this weird, wild man looking thing. Uh, it's the invincible monoke that was that was sealed. Kanbei comes by, is still alive, uh, and is like, Master Nobunaga, it's me! And, Monok- and Nobunaga just bah, kills him immediately. And his little spark goes, why? To which... To which Dora says, what's going on? Weren't they friends? No, you idiots. So apparently uh, he's uh, he's gone mad. He's lost his senses while in imprisonment. And Miyamoto is like, and now I'll use my forbidden technique to drain him of his power. So this villain's gone immediately to whoop, goes into his chest forms a seal mark on his chest that gives him super boosted supernatural energy and also turns his hair white. Uh, and uh, he's like, the intense pain is gone. In fact, my injury is healed. Whatever injury that even was. Uh, uh, Dora tries to attack him. He doesn't even bother to dodge or block it. A uh, slash mark appears across his doesn't back. Doesn't need to. Doesn't even need to. Just immediately uh, regenerates it. Uh, he does a return slash at Dora, but he dodges out of the way. He does the whole bendy thing with Kusanagi to swing around a rock. Uh, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If we defeat you, it doesn't matter. And he slashes at him. Uh, but uh, it's countered by two swords and an X block thing. And then he does Eagle Fan wave slash thing. Uh, Kusanagi cushions Dora by turning into a literal beanbag chair. One of the only times in the series it felt like Kusanagi turned into something different to actually add to a scene. Yep, so pretty much. Cool, 35 chapters in. This is a good time. 
Tsukahara, the glasses old man, uh, randomly shows up and says, I know, if we break the forbidden seal in his chest, we can defeat him. What, the big, obvious, glowing writing on his fucking chest that specifically appeared when he got a massive power-up? We should break that? We should do something about that? We should hit the glowing red button on the boss's non-armored spot? Okay. Uh, Uji... It's good game design, Nick. Uh... Uji uh, is carrying literally everyone else to safety while Sukara is like, I've got to do this. Miyamoto is protected by Mononoke power, but if we break the power, then he'll die. Okay. You two can do it. Let's do it. Let's go. And literally. <laughs> God, about this bit. <laughs> so he just shows up while they're talking and just goes, Here I am. <laughs> He has an uh, entrance. Um, he unleashes this massive wave of serrated energy that gores Tsukahara. Uh, Dora tries to attack him. He gets slashed across the ribs, and it stops him. Uh, Kusanagi is worried about him. Tsukahara says, These two will continue to struggle until they slay you to make the world a kinder place. Double-edged fire feed! I got your eyes! And that's the chapter. He cut him across the eyes, and he goes, Now! To Dora. Yep. So, Nick, of course, when any big success happens, there comes a point when you unfortunately had to talk about the end. And this is a spoiler... What? Um, it has been confirmed that Ron Dororon will be ending in up next week. I don't know. There's a lot to wrap up in just one week, uh, but we're going to. Uh, I want everybody in our audience to know, rest assured, we will give this the proper retrospective that we've done for other such big hits as like Naruto and Bleach. Uh, I thought about doing a top 10. That feels kind of condensed, so I, I think we should both do a top 20, because there are a lot of big moments. So, I have a top 20 I'm prepared for next week. I hope you do as well. Obviously, so we can share all these great moments with Deronda Roran as it it goes out on top. This is going to be a big series. I expect an anime announcement any day now. Don't make me reread this series. <laughs> no, it's all good. You see, it's all I'll, good. I'll fall asleep. Like, <laughs> I'll <laughs> never wake up. <laughs> Alright, Nick, let's talk about PPP. Angry Lesbians. Uh, pretty much... Uh, I'm glad that my riddle, I think, is probably pretty easy this time. Okay, it's cool. Short. Jim Duggan. Poppy's poor propinquity falls prey to paint can prank. Is it Eddie Guerrero? You're very close, but it is not. It's when he poured paint on somebody's shit, right? No, this was a different uh, paint can related thing that involved a Guerrero. Okay, uh, I'll say Chavo Guerrero then. It is Chavo Guerrero. There is was one incident where he had a false count anywhere match with Hornswoggle. And then at the end, for some reason, Macaulay Culkin showed up. Uh, and um, yep, yep. It was 2009 WWE. Yep. Was this in their era where they had to have like a guest host every week? Yes. And they had yes, like, the mom from the Brady Bunch show up. It was like a year straight where it was just guest hosts for some reason. Good times. So, All right. Let's talk about PPPPPP. Uh, Chapter 45, choose. Meloli has just witnessed Mimin's performance. She's got like murder eyes right now. Uh, and she knows that Mimin's performance is different, especially because she isn't conjuring the distorted trees. We, of course, did not see any of them in her uh, performance in the previous chapters. Uh, and she's like, they're actually just like ribbons now. 
And she remarks on this to Mimin. And she's like, so can you just evoke whatever you want now? And Mimin just says, oh, just came out that way. And she smiles at Maloli. And Maloli, like, death murdered all smiles back. <laughs> and she's like, this is so, I don't get it. I, I don't understand any of this. I don't know why she got rid of the trees. I don't understand why she doesn't know how she brought the ribbons out. But if I can win against her, can I still love myself? I I messed up. I didn't do enough analysis. When I think about it, it's obvious. Mimin Otogami hates the trees. Of course she wouldn't bring them out. So what am I going to do? I don't like suffering. I want to feel better. I want to be able to love myself. I was only thinking of using my genius to win against her trees. And I've been suffering because of her. But I got to think she's just panicking now, too. And then she just looks at Mimin and says, Cute. Because Mimin has realized that Maloli is upset and she started crying because she's upset that Maloli's upset. And she just, and Mimin thinks to herself, rather, Maloli thinks to herself, Mimin's always been really cute, even though that irritates me. The girl who's loved me ever since that day, the girl who I thought was more fabulous than me, the girl I couldn't kill, the girl who didn't choose trees. And then she says, I get it. You didn't choose the trees. What if you choose my performance? And she asks Mimin to sit in the audience and have her vote be part of this match. Interesting. So she takes the stage and uh, she says to herself, I was hoping I could beat the distorted. I could beat the warped trees. But this is actually perfect. My piano playing has always been warped like chaotic thoughts. And everything starts to get distorted, which is very disorienting <laughs> to read uh, still image uh, based uh, medium. Uh, and everyone's reacting like, oh, man, this is trippy. I feel like I should just be getting sick, but I'm not. And Maloli admits to herself, I can't love my own playing style. Mimin Urugami's playing style is the most beautiful. The playing style of the cute girl who I couldn't kill. I love it. But one of the fairies that Mimin has conjured goes off into the distortion saying that it's really fun. Uh, and Maloli, rather Mimin, uh, watches it go. And Maloli, as she's playing, looks out at Mimin in the audience and says to herself, choose me, recognize me as your number one. Uh... And uh, Sayonji realizes something is happening that, quote unquote, hasn't happened in a while. Uh, and the fairy points Large, the universe is melting again, <laughs> points towards a glowing thing in the middle of the voting sign and says, there is the exit. Uh, and Maloli says to herself, I'm sorry, I couldn't vote for you, but I would be happy. But would I be happy if she chose me? So very trippy chapter full of lots of um, unexplored feelings on the part of a confused teenage girl who isn't willing to admit how she feels about many different things. Um, it's uh, frankly kind of scary. So. All right. Uh, let's move on really quick to Mashal Magic and Muscles Chapter 120 Cran Cr Lance Crown and Dot Barrett. Uh, hey, rain kills Deli Saster. I know I want to spend more time with it, but unfortunately we have a lot of things going on. Uh, but they have a fight. Uh, Deli Sester is slashing him. Uh, Vin is using his magic to heal his brother up. And then eventually, 
Uh, Rain just fucking cuts his head off. Just full on, just bisects the goddamn head, and it's awesome. Uh, and Deli Very Saster, gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Deli Saster can't regenerate fast enough from that, so he seems to be done. Boom. Good job, all those guys. Uh, then we cut over to Epidem, who is fighting with Lance and Dot. Last time Dot ate a, a cupcake or a pudding, which he shouldn't have. And he's like, oh, God, I think I've been poisoned. Him and Lance are having a big argument. Uh, they have a bunch of fights. There's a bunch of weird jokes. Lance has literally brought in air from his sister's room, which is very so disgusting. Weird. Uh, but they're both weirdos. Uh, we find out that uh, the pudding had a poison in it, but not a regular poison, sort of like an anti-magic deficiency virus that drains magic from humans. That's what Epidem's weird gimmick is. He actually, like, just tortures people in weird science cocoons, essentially, and that's what he's going to do. Lance won't let uh, Dot get involved. He says, no, I'm going to handle him myself. And Dot's like, fine, fuck you, you handle it your way. So that's what we're setting up for next time. Yeah, Good job. Seems to be a recurring theme going on in these fights involving two-on-ones. Like, no, I'll handle it. So... Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, it would make sense. Then we have uh, Famine, and I guess we could see Caldo Gehenna and uh, Rio Grants working together. I don't know. Uh, Loose of Samurai, Chapter 74, Shibukawa, 1335. Uh, there's a big celebration going on because of the recent victory of Tokyuki's forces. Uh, we see that uh, Nezu has called Kojiro away from the proceedings and basically says, like, look, you've got to do a good job. You should risk your life for the Lord in the next fight and claim a commander's head. My younger sister died because of you, atoned by raising the Nezu name. So he seems nice. Um, Tokiyuki and a couple others go off to, like, secretly spy on this as well. Uh, we get some explanation of locations and stuff that happens uh confrontation between tokyuki's forces and some of the generals occurs including the uh main guy uh yoshisue who very honorably strides out to meet everyone and says i admire that you're fighting to restore your clan i think that's really great uh i think that you should advance your mount to the river and we'll just settle this honorably in single combat uh and he just and everyone's like what the hell is this guy the that seems crazy. Uh, and uh, everyone's like, wait, he's challenging a 10-year-old to a fight? But they point out, like, no, 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 no. This guy would fight literally anyone one-on-one. -on -one. This isn't him being cowardly. He's just being very obsessed with the warrior's code. Uh, Yorishige points out there is no need to engage that way. Uh, so Tokyuki hesitates for a bit, uh, but Kojiro rides out on his own, and he says, the young lord's too good for you. Fight me, Nezu Kojiro. And he charges forward while everyone freaks out that this is a very bad idea. So Yoshige commands all the forces to come forward. Uh, and then Yoshisue produces a fucking huge Daikatana, knocks Kojiro way the hell off of his mount with it, and just presumably bisects a bunch of dudes and their corpse and their horses with his massive goddamn sword while being very angry that uh, his quote unquote honorable compliment has been rejected in this way. So, oh dear, uh, he's very angry now. He's got a big sword. He's very strong and he's tearing down Tokiyuki. That's the chapter. Yes. Good stuff. All right. Let's move on to Black Clover page 334. There's a chapter somewhere. Fragile, Fragile soul. soul. Uh, so Asta fuses it to his form. And he, they explain like, yeah, before when he did his everything and he had his little boy super mode form. <laughs> uh, little boy super mode. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. He just looks like a little man. Um, 
He'd only hold it for five minutes, but now he could concentrate it on just kind of one point. So in this case, just his arm, and thus he can do it for longer now. He can extend it to 10 minutes. So his one weakness has been revealed, unless you can last 10 minutes or five minutes longer. Uh, but they're like, wow, you know, time magic is cr truly invincible, except for anti-magic. Whoa. Uh, but uh, Julian? No. Lucius. Uh, Lucius is like, yes. Lucian. Right, I, what's up? I think it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, he's like, all right, I can't use magic on you, but I can still touch you. So physical attacks are going to have to work on you. He, Punch. Yeah, he just, he just, my dude's been working out. He just starts punching ass till they have a fight all around the city. They're attacking. Ash is like, this is going to do it. This is going to work. Uh, Lucius is like, no, it's not going to now as long as I'm here. I was born with this power and I'm going to grant that sacred power to humans. And he avails like a six winged fucking angel form. He says, this is humanity's true form. It's fucking wild. Ass is like giant stag antlers coming out of his head. Yeah. yeah. Ass is like, what is this key? It's not human or devil. And he's like, all right, well, I'll predict his te teleportation. And then suddenly he is teleported and he has a sister in his hand with like his finger to his, her head. And Ass is just like, what's going on? And he explains that his magic is soul magic. It transforms the soul of anyone he touches. And the soul is the source of human life, spirit, and magic. So he's like, yeah, let me show you what a human who is truly happy looks like. And he uses magic on sister and turns her into the same kind of weird angelic beast that he is. And sister just says, for the sake of world peace, please die, Asta. And then fucking Lucius just fucking karate chops him so hard across the chest that Asta goes down. Uh, and as he goes down, he says, what a fragile soul. He'll never defeat me that way. Goodbye, flaw of the world. Yeah. This is another feel bad chapter. Uh, you know, the heroes are screwed, uh, but very appropriate for, hey, here's our final villain of the series uh, introduction. Uh, yeah, we got to see Asta's. Yeah, he's stronger, but holy shit, he is horribly outclassed by this guy. But I love the way that things play out uh, using Asta's emotions and, you know, someone that he cares about in this way. I like how it wasn't just he threatened her. No, he actually did use his magic and changed her this way. Uh, so a big moral blow as well as, you know, getting his freaking chest split open this way. So, yeah, cool. Cool stuff. Nick, let's talk about One Piece where definitely nothing controversial happened. Chapter 1057, the end! One Piece is over, everybody. It's over. All right. So looking back on One Piece, all the memories we've had with it, Jesus Christ, God, there's so I much. I hope I can put together a top 20 oh. for this. I got so many things to put through on Door Dorondoron. I don't know. If yeah, I know. Much, much, much sparser pickings in One yeah, Piece. I was going to say, I was like, I, I guess I double up on a couple. Like, I'm like, well, that kind of happens. Kind of two things. Uh, reflecting or echoing some stuff that we have seen in other points in the Wano arc, uh, we get a stage performance that is happening at the beginning of this chapter, which we'll get back to as it gets into more important stuff. Uh, Yamato announces that he's not going with the Straw Hats, uh, which is disappointing. Uh, I was not saying that Yamato was going to be a Straw Hat, but I was thinking it would be nice if he, you know, traveled with Luffy and the others for at least a little bit. Uh, but that's not happening do, do just we, now. Do we want to get into this now? I guess we have to because it's, it's not really relevant the rest of the chapter. No, it's it goes by very quickly, yeah. honestly. Um, so I'm of two minds for this one. This is either like the the sort of Jimbei situation of like, I will join you, but not now. But the the wording is kind of weird. It, 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 he does indicate like I will go off into the world at some point. However, the implication could just be like, yeah, when fucking 
the, the series is over and doing the yeah. epilogue, I'll be on the ship too with a bunch of other characters. Um, the other thing I have is the I wonder if Oda just looked at the rest of his story and said, you know what, there really isn't a place for Yamato and that and change because it, it. I would say this: there was too many signs, like there was too many like lines of dialogue and emphasis placed on the idea that Yamato was going to join the Straw Hats. There's literally a panel where Yamato looks out at the reader and says, I'm going out to sea with Luffy and the others. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's to the point where like to swerve it and have Yamato be like, no, I'm staying here is just like strange. So I, I, I have to feel like it, it's it's one of these two things. Either Yamato is going to join down the line, either like a Jinbei situation or in like an epilogue thing, or Oda legitimately had just, I don't know, reevaluated, did a break, something like that, came to like a realization, was like, fuck, I can't. No, I, I don't I don't, talk, I don't ever in front of the person on the ship. So I don't know, but it, it is definitely a weird thing. Yeah. So we'll see what what the future uh, carries for Yamato. And as it turns out, also potentially Momonosuke and Kinemon. But we'll see. Uh, we get a sequence of just flashbacks of the interactions between Luffy and Momonosuke, how they start off, you know, just bickering like immature children. Momonosuke getting berated for acting like a child and eventually growing to be braver and stronger. And now he's just really pissed off that Luffy left without saying goodbye. Kinemon is also really pissed off and he's even saying, like, I'm going to freaking cut him. I'm going to cut him with my sword. And Yamato's like, guys, come on, chill. <laughs> uh, we get to uh, Tokage Port. All the different crew members are saying, are being like, we're going to be enemies when we see each other out on the sea. And Chopper says, bye, traffic. <laughs> it's very cute. Momonosuke, of course, arrives with everyone before the Straw Hats can get away. Uh, and they're, of course, uh, Momonosuke and Kinemon are really pissed off. They dive up and all three of them tackle Luffy to the ground. Uh, and uh, Kinemon's really pissed off. Monosuke starts busting out crying, saying he's going to miss them all so much. And uh, he says, like, it's all because of you guys that I was able to survive and all this could happen. Please don't go like this. Um, And so Luffy calls out for Usopp to toss something that hits uh, Monosuke. It's just this big black sheet. And when he lays it out, it's a giant flag with the Straw Hats Jolly Roger on it. And Luffy tells him as he does this, you're an idiot and a coward and a weakling, but I think of you like a little brother. And when times are hard, just remember our adventures at sea. Fly this flag over Wano. If anyone shows up causing trouble, let them see it. And they'll know that if anyone messes with my crew, they're picking a fight with us. Nice. So, yeah, he considers Monosuke and Kinemon and Yamato part of his crew but they're staying here well look that that makes sense vivi is also still technically a straw hat. yes uh and it does make sense that there is this very important scene that happens between momonosuke and luffy because if you ha- if you're completely honest momonosuke has been a part of one piece for the decade a now. long time he's been yeah. he's been involved in the series since since punk hazard uh he has been on the ship longer than jimbei <laughs> like in, yeah. in many ways so yeah i, I can totally see being like hey this is an important character this is this is a significant thing. And he is 
quote unquote, an honorary straw hat. Uh, yeah. I know some people are a little annoyed because uh, Yamato feels like a background character and all this, but to be completely honest, this is a scene that was actually, I think, very necessary for Absolutely. Mamanosuke. I think Mamanosuke, and it's a cool moment, like legitimately when he unfurls the flag and it's like, hey, straw hat flag, if anyone fucks with you, they mess with me. Like It's, it's cool really moment. good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they all they all say goodbye for real this time. Uh, they're like that. Uh, Yamato's like, bye, guys. And uh, meanwhile, Kinemon and Momonosuke are both like crying. Momonosuke vows that one day I'll surpass Kosuke Odin. We get one last little joke of Yamato saying, what, me? <laughs> yeah. Cool joke. It reasserts this could be the fun character. Yeah. I, I have like almost more to say, but we have so much to get to still. Yeah. Uh, the three ships, kids, laws, and the, uh, sunny go thousand sunny rather, uh, are heading out to sea. Uh, kid goads the other two into, uh, Sailing not going off to... the side. It's fucking great. <laughs> like, because like, they're like, we can just take the lift down. And kid's like, oh, sure, if you want to be safe about it. And immediately they're like, <laughs> like I legit thought this would be like a law move where he's, he would have like goaded the other two into doing something stupid. But I like that law is again just reaffirming that law is as big of a dumbass as everyone else in this trio. What, you guys are just taking the middle route. What children? What'd you say? I'm <laughs> safe and secure. Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, bitch. I'm going. <laughs> Uh, and as they careen down the waterfall, we get a closing narration to wrap up this huge ass arc, legitimately the longest story arc that One Piece has ever done. Um, that uh, it goes over the huge conflict between Kaido, the Dragon King, uh, and the great ghastly Oiron. And he says there was this coming to cut the beast in twain was the second of Odin's faithful followers, Denjiro. And it closes not on the defeat of Kaido, but on the defeat of Orochi. And there's this big speech that goes on about it. And it clear, <sighs> we kind of get the ending we should have gotten before uh, where talking about how, you know, Orochi is part of the wrathful Kurozumi clan that's cursed the land and brought all this destruction but the fair princess had witnessed 20 years of Wano's suffering. Her gaze was unwavering and she pushes aside Denjiro and stands her ground and says to Orochi while bearing the fan wearing the Kozuki seal and the memories of 20 years, 20 years. And she says, and the audience says with the person giving the performance, Kurozumi was born to burn. And Orochi goes up in fire and dies. <laughs> and uh, yay, everyone's playing their shamisens. Oh, what a performance. Everyone's so happy. Yay. And that's it. That's the saga of the samurai. And Momonosuke returns to his people and asks the question, where do we fly this flag? And the curtain falls as we get this thought that one day their paths will cross again someday somewhere and that's it that's the end of act three oh of my act four time nick no okay. it's just it's, the end it's just the end uh look oh god holy shit uh there's so much that's going on there's so much there's that's a lot happening i guess the easiest way is just sum up 
the Wano arc now because this is now the definitive exact end of the Wano arc. Everything that happens after this is going to be the next arc, side story, whatever. Um, yes. This arc was good. This was such a fucking long arc. So And it was long. so fucking over crammed with stuff. Uh, and to pull back, I guess, to an earlier point, Yamato is just one of those things where it's weird that we got so much time spent dealing with Yamato and building up Yamato to then kind of have it end. It feels like Yamato isn't super relevant and is just another character in this gigantic cast of characters that we see at the end when you're like, fuck, man, I guess I remember a couple of these people, but like there's so much going on. Um, and I will say ultimately, like, like Wano has definitely been ambitiously Oda's most exciting arc, like, or the arc he was most excited for. He's talked about how Wano was something he really wanted to execute on for a very, very long time. And you can definitely see it. There's so much to it. The, the legacy of Odin, the sheer scale of everything, all the, the plot lines and conflicts and everything, the buildup all coming to a head. And in many ways, you can say a lot of this stuff was really successful. Uh, but I, I would say that at the end of it, you're like, you see that, like that, that spread of like all the, the allies and everything like that. And you're like, Jesus, this arc was fucking gigantic and at times a bit of a mess. So it really is like, I don't know another feeling than when you get to that point where it's like the end and just being like, finally, (laughs) (laughs) like that's, that's like, I wish I could be more excited at the end of Wano, but it's just a relief to be like, all right thank fucking christ we're going somewhere else yeah. uh there was a weird bit of controversy i felt among some one piece fans over the fact that hiori you know wanted to kill the person who um murdered her close family members and brought ruin to her country for her entire life uh, and people were like this seems very you know dark and like unforgiving and genocidal of her and it was like the dude was a, this dude was an asshole. Okay. Well, it, it, I do understand where some people also come from when it's like, all right, so Orochi was an asshole. He was absolutely an asshole. He was also an asshole who did get fucked over by the Kozuki clan. True. Uh, so there is like a legitimate argument to be made that it feels like Wano has not learned its lessons at all. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. So there, there, there absolutely is something to to, to pick out there. I feel like people are being too hard on specifically Hiori with that because it's like, yeah, but she's just the kid who grew up in all of this torture. Yes, maybe the nation as a whole hasn't learned their lesson, which kind of like ends the entire story arc on a weird note. But it is weird to attach that specifically to her character. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's the end of Wano. It was too long, but it had some very good points throughout it i have to say uh i god i don't know if i can ever read this much of a can for just one story arc that essentially amounted to like stuff that happened across probably in world like four days so i I, like it's crazy looking back on being like oh we started this arc back in 2018 nick different (laughs) this series has survived a pandemic it's had the length of a president it's 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 it was sizable to say the yeah. least, but it's done. <sighs> yeah. And uh, next time we'll do something else, I guess, in one piece. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine a story arc that won't be leading up to Wano or Wano itself? 
it's gonna almost be weird like you know, i was just like oh wait what, what happens when they fight kaido <laughs> i think that i think that weekly manga recap was going before there was a hint of wano i think yes. i think because so we, we started fishman island wano had been mentioned before that point but oh no wano had been mentioned i believe since uh thriller bark it may have been mentioned even earlier than that but thriller bark is where i remember there being the first mention of it because that's where ryuma was fought well all that being said quinn what's your favorite chapter this week and who's your mvp um i i really really want to give it to akane banashi because it is such a great chapter um and it's it, it really was just an awesome moment but i i can't give it to anything other than chainsaw man and also like i, I absolutely i i've got to give it to i've got to give it to chainsaw man i will give my character of the week actually to arakawa just because right. of that one face that he makes when he says you know you don't belong here that's a, that's such a good condensation of everything that's going on between them in that moment i love it but yeah absolutely chainsaw man is so good the heart-wrenching beginning, the hilarious ending, and how somehow they're reflections of each other. So good. It, it was a moment where, like, as you read it, you were just like, all right, well, this is this fucking rules. I don't know what else to say other than, like, yeah. fuck, this, this rocks, this slaps. I don't, it's awesome. All right. Uh, the audience, by the way, agreed. Chainsaw Man across the board with everybody. And then Asa uh, also won the MVP for the audience, which breaks up a long-running thing. Uh, actually, no, last week we did. There's a period of time where um, Undead and Luck was like somebody's pick every single week for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, not this week, unfortunately, but last week also it wasn't, I think. Oh, wait, no, it was tied last week, so never mind. So this did break it. This did break the, that streak. Yeah, well, and Undead and Luck was also really good this yeah, week. Yeah, Undead and Luck was <laughs> awesome. It was supremely awesome. Another week, it probably would have gotten it yeah so that's gonna do it everyone thank you all for joining us for this episode of weekly manga recap we do the show here on twitch.tv slash rollo t wednesdays normally around 7 30 eastern time in the evening but stay tuned to us on social media twitter.com slash rollo t nick f time wmr podcast for notifications of when the show goes to live exactly and also go out on our discord server as well and our discord server has all sorts of great stuff on it a wonderful community they do uh bi-weekly game nights and other stuff discuss chapters uh, that are part of the recap as they come out uh, and you can also use that to find the google doc that is maintained by ninja x3i which keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the history of the show as well as current voting and suggestions recommendations for future series for us to read all that good stuff we would like to thank, uh, in addition to Ninja X3i, people who help make the show what it is. People who support us on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. We get bonus content from your favorite two manga discussing on Wednesdays explicitly uh, podcast hosts. Yeah, that's us. Uh, we would also like to thank Wednesday Del Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can see on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. Uh, and you can also, on some of those, see thumbnails done by Steve Mann, a tire card artist, uh, whose artwork you can find on twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. Uh, and if you want to listen to the show, uh, just every episode is up on weeklymangarecap.poppy.com, as well as uh, podcast uh, sites like Spotify uh, and uh, iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, so we are going to do one more recommendation, guys, before Sadistic September starts. 
It's going to be very short. We are going to be reading Sandland by Akira Toriyama. It is one volume, so we're going to read that. We're going to talk about it next week, and then we're going to get into the big one. Uh, and uh, you'll find out more about that next time. Yes. All right. That is going to do it for our weekly manga recap this week. Everybody, goodbye. Woo.